Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A brief programming reminder for Big Brother fans, we will be doing, well, I, I should say it's currently scheduled. The Big Brother Cast Assessment Podcast is currently scheduled. However, considering CBS is doing a live move-in for Big Brother, we do not know as of now if we are going to do the cast assessment on time or if we will just save it for the first podcast after the premiere. So... Stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash AE for any updates on that. Uh, as things become clear, we'll probably have a definitive date set for that. But I believe the tentative date right now is the 28th, which may always be changed. So if anybody's looking on, any Big Brother fans are looking on AE's blog talk radio schedule and seeing the 28th book chances are it's probably not going to stay that way but uh we will see as as everything moves on here however uh a also another reminder if you guys haven't done so yet you can subscribe to the Missy podcast by going to the blog talk radio uh link blogtalkradio.com slash missy ae you can also go to any of our podcasts, uh, any of our major podcast networks, such as iTunes, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and so on and so forth. If there's a major podcast network, chances are we're probably on there. Uh, we have a lot to get to tonight. We have a, we have to take a look at the MLB trade deadline, which will be coming up. Who will be buyers? Who will be sellers? Uh, we will be taking a little, a, a tiny bit of a look at the MLB draft as well, as quite a few surprises uh, took place in round number one uh, of the MLB draft this past week. We will discuss that. Uh, the NBA in-season tournament, I meant to get to this last week, but we will get to it tonight uh, with the new NBA in-season tournament officially officially being uh, put into effect, plus a couple of various NHL tidbits and everything, and we'll probably talk about MLB All-Star Weekend, I guess. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that we have to, uh, that we have to get to. So, anyways, if you want to call in, the number is, or, or uh, never mind, 657-383-1308. For some reason, I, I, I was about to I was about to use my phone number for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, anyways, it is six five seven three eight three one three zero eight. We will be live for the next two hours before we go into the hour after show. So if you guys want to call in, it's you have you guys basically have a two hour window to do so. 
we currently have Diane, Lou, uh, Kyle, and Alex on the line with us uh, currently. How you got? How's everybody doing tonight? All right, same thing. Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Great. Well, great. All right. Hanging out. Uh, well, I'm sorry. What was that, Kyle? You don't you don't like baseball? I'm great. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't say that. Whoa, he was trying to get me in trouble already. Dang, eight minutes for shows. Wow. Well, well, you said you said you said uh, oh, MLB. I'm hanging up. So. Oh, uh, oh but, wow! But where's the money? Oh my gosh! Oh, okay. Oh man. Oh, lost it. I mean, go Rangers. Okay. I mean, go Rangers. I, I guess. You know, I, I got to sit for Rangers, you know, I'm in Dallas, so I don't want to get my uh, my butt kicked too much. Marty, it's already enough. I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, possible World Series. Possible World Series, Tim. They're nasty. Hey, hey, hey. Not, not, uh, hey, hey. But, look, we, what's going on? I don't see. Come on. Come on. It's, it's Eagles. Come on. We know that. All right, uh, so we do have a lot. We do have a lot to get to. We are going to get to Major League Baseball. Uh, the first thing I want to get to, though, is it's actually outside of the sports world a little bit, uh, the normal sports world, I should say. As uh, people may remember, uh, the doctor of the gymnastics team named uh, uh, for Team USA named Larry Nasser. Oh God. Who yep. was oh convicted? He was convicted of sexual abuse uh, for sexually abusing young athletes for Team USA under the guise of medical treatment so many years ago. Well, apparently, he was assaulted inside a federal prison in Florida er- earlier this week, according to two sources familiar with the incident. He was stabbed. A total of ten times, twice in the neck, yep. twice in the back, and six times in the chest. Wow. And luckily for him, corrections officers were able to get to him in time, and he is listed in stable condition. Uh, he's been serving a sixty-year sentence for federal child pornography charges, and uh, uh, on top of all the other stuff too. The, uh, the yep. sexual abuse of young athletes and everything, um, but according to the to a statement from the from the Bureau of Prisons uh, on Sunday, July 9th, at approximately 2:35 p.m., an inmate was assaulted at the United States Penitentiary Coleman Two in Sumterville, Florida. Responding staff immediately initiated life-saving measures. Staff requested emergency medical services and life-saving efforts continued. An internal investigation into the incident is underway. The inmate, who a source familiar confirmed uh, confirmed is indeed Nasser, was transported to a hospital for treatment. In addition to his federal prison sentence, he was sentenced in a Michigan state court up to 175 years in prison after more than 150 women and girls said in court yeah. that he sexually abused them over the last two decades. He ended up pleading guilty. He ended up pleading guilty to seven counts of criminal sexual conduct in Ingham County in Michigan, and he admitted to using his trusted medical physician to assault and molest girls 
under the guise of medical treatment. So a total of 156 women gave victim yep. impact statements in court describing how they went to Nassar to receive treatment for sports injuries only to be sexually assaulted and told it was a form of treatment. Many of the women wow. said when they spoke up about the treatment, they were ignored or their concerns were brushed aside by organizations in power, primarily USA Gymnastics and Michigan State University, where Nasser was the gymnastics team doctor, as well as the U.S. Olympic Committee. And, yep. of course, as people remember, Back in 2021, victims of Nasser did reach a settlement with USA Gymnastics, the U.S. Olympic Committee, and their insurers for a total of $380 million. And the settlement was part of the USA Gymnastics plan to exit bankruptcy as the organization has struggled to recover from the Nasser scandal. Wow. So, I mean, just to start off here. Yeah, yeah. It just seems I mean, like this. This was basically karma. Yep. This was karma long overdue. What did you? Uh, uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, sorry guys. I just I, I know sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit zealous to put it nicely. Sometimes I apologize, but yeah, just this particular this particular topic was definitely something I wanted to kind of. I was chomping at the bit as you gave a great dialogue on on what unfolded. I mean. I, you you literally stole a great word that I that I used maybe too much, but I was thinking of that the whole time. Karma, um, it's one of the most egregious crimes ever. It's one of the ultimate sins, and you know helpless people that that entrusted him, and uh, kind of shades the Sandusky too, where there was a cover up. People looked the other way. It was just awful, and not to sound too dark or morbid, but um, oftentimes in prison, when it comes to people who touch kids or children or women, uh, the guards yeah. will help the guards will help make sure they get treated uh, a certain way. And they will, they'll walk down the hallway and leave a cell unlocked and say, Hey, go get them. And they'll, they'll, they'll ignore any calls for help. So usually a guy like that, a, 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 scuzz, a, scuzz, a scuzz bag, come back like mm-hmm. that will be targeted in prison. So I'm surprised that they even helped him and, and saved his life. Oftentimes people like that, they're, they, they get killed. They get what's coming to them in prison on the inside. It's more dangerous on the outside for them. So, yeah, you know, hopefully next I'm time. wondering. I'm, that, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll one, that. I'm wondering hopefully, if it hopefully was next more than time. one person, though. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Because I mean, then I'm surprised they didn't. They didn't. Uh, you know, end it. Because I mean, twice in the neck, twice in the back, and six times in the chest. I mean, I understand the chest part, but. Him also getting stabbed twice in the neck. First off, if you're getting if you're getting stabbed in the neck, how the hell are you still alive? Yeah, exactly. and again, we're not trying to we're not trying to sound like uh, you know, uh, you know, Sangoria or like, you know, get too nasty, but this is a real life topic. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to something like that, everyone on the call knows. I mean, that's one of the most uh, dangerous areas. So, like you said, I mean, that's usually not to sound too weird, but yeah, that's when really the blood really flows. So that's amazing that he that he survived. A neck wound. Two of them? That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe they didn't go yeah. all the way through the neck. Oh. Well, well, no. They said, they said specifically, if anything, it must have missed. Uh, it must have missed a major artery because 
they sure. said specifically it was two. It was two times that he had two wounds in the neck, two in the back, and six different wounds in the stomach or in wow. the chest. I mean, do you think oh. ten? So, do you think ten different people could have done all of it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's you know, it, 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 it almost it, was, it a number, was it a group of people? Is that is that confirmed? Or was it one person or a group of people? What is it, a cellmate? Or uh, it, it hasn't been said. It hasn't been said oh, whether it was. Uh, what was it? A group? It happens a lot. It happens a lot, man. And those and those guys are they are seriously targeted in there because once people find out why you're in there again, I'm not trying to sound like an expert, but I've read. I, I'm I'm a big true crime fan and like unsolved mysteries and. I watch a lot of trials. I've always had an appreciation for, like, law and justice, yeah. I guess, as a subject. It's a big interest of mine. Um, you know, if I'm reading sports, I can, I can read about, like, unsolved cases just as much, just as often. So, so I, I take interest in stuff like this. And apparently, I mean, a person like that, once, you, once you're discovered and once they find out why he's in there, I mean, literally, people are just like, oh, can I kill him? Should I kill him? Like, they, they get props. Like, they want to be the person who ends a person like that. <laughs> you yeah. marks for death. Nice. Marks for death. Yeah. Wait a minute, there is an update. Uh, so, one of the uh, a member of the uh, of the uh, prison union named Joe Rojas, uh, who has worked at the Sumterville Federal Prison for nearly thirty years, uh, has told an insider that he confirmed the incident with the staff, and according to Rojas. The stabbing occurred after after Nasser made a lewd quip to another inmate while watching a women's Wimbledon tennis match. As Nasser, according according to the suspected attacker, Nasser told him, "I wish there were girls playing." And that alleged oh, comment yeah. then sparked yeah. the attack. That's uh Sore subject, pardon the pun. Like, yeah, that's one thing that guy should not even be yeah. hanging out with people. And then to do that, he kind of uh, made his own death grave. Oh, almost. He almost made his own grave with that comment. I'm surprised he's mingling with other people. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll be so cowardly and they'll, they'll demand through the state, you know, through attorneys. Everyone, they, they definitely have too many rights, some of these sickos. But anyways, um, they'll, they'll, they'll usually request to be in solid, you know, to be in confinement somewhere else, not in general population. So it's surprising that this guy's hanging out with other uh, inmates that I'm pretty sure most of them want him dead. So uh, how long has he been? Oh, when, did this, well, when did he first go away? It's been like five years he's been in? I'm, I'm surprised he's still alive. Uh, let me double here, check. I can look it up. It was... I can look it up too, Steve. I didn't mean to take you off topic, but yeah, I'd be curious to know. I mean, yeah. people like that normally don't, I mean, look at Dahmer. Dahmer went pretty quickly. I mean, people like that, they think they tend to. Who's Dahmer? So he was. He he was Jeffrey indicted Dahmer. back in twenty. He was indicted back in twenty sixteen. So yeah, five, so, six, seven, yeah, wow, six seven years something. Yeah, like that. about seven about seven yeah. years he's been in prison, or wow. it'll be seven years in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And who is he now? It's he he's and the uh, he he's the former. Ju- He's the former gymnastics coach for Team USA Gymnastics, or not not the coach, but the former doctor for Team USA Gymnastics, and he basically yeah. sexually assaulted multiple women and and girls who were. Oh, the Doctor Nasser. 
Yeah. 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 Larry Nasser yeah. was his name. Mm-hmm. And, or is his name, I should say, technically. He's still alive. Uh, and it also, it also but, states here that when Nasser was stabbed, several inmates jumped in to pull the attacker off of Nasser before staff arrived. And Rojas added that, you know, if people are wondering why wasn't staff right upon that, uh, it was added that staff are directed not to intervene in the middle of a fight because it could be a ruse to attack the employees. So that's why they had to wait for backup in order for them to jump in there and separate everybody. Hopefully gets taken care of next time. Well, and... What's interesting, though, is that Nasser was assigned to a programming unit designated for those with mental illnesses and pedophiles. And also, the doctor or the, uh, uh, the member of the union said that he was shocked to hear of the attack because inmates in the unit often protect each other, are quiet, and don't socialize with the general prison population. So he requested he got put in a different section from a lot of the people that would really want him dead then. Mm-hmm. They kind of uh shepherd they kinda of shepherd and I guess they kinda of stock up the same sickos in one specific area, if you will. So it's like uh they look to the left and right and there's people just as disgusting as they are. But uh Yeah. Yeah. This is disgusting. And I think it's pretty ridiculous too that they 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 should get that safety too because they 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 hurt and destroyed so many people's lives. Why should they be protected? Put them in the regular population. Let them see what happens. Whatever. Yeah, I know it's it's definitely. I, I want to make a whole crime thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to spout too much on it, but yeah, it's just a, it's one of those things that really irks irks you, and kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, Lou, what do you think about this? Because doesn't it kind of seem like he was, like it was? This was basically karma, long, uh, long overdue. Oh yeah, definitely, especially for a scumbag like Nasser. Yeah, I think I mean, this was a group effort, you know, stabbing you know, ten times. I, I think it had to be more than just uh, one person uh, responsible for the stabbing. For that. Apparently, from what I'm I reading, agree. Here, it's only it's one person. Oh. The one guy it's only one it. person, apparently, from what I'm reading here. So maybe yeah, maybe that, they just uh, maybe they haven't found the other person yet, but I've heard it. Yeah. I, I, from what I'm reading here, it's only one person. This guy's like a smaller – I just want to say this guy's a little bit older now. He's like small and scrawny. Yeah. We're not talking about going after like an NFL player. I mean, uh, sorry. Right. I mean, it could, right. easy, it, could, it could have been one guy. There's people out there, and again, we're not dealing with uh, angels in there. There's some sick people in, inside, and you know, you, you'll see people that get stabbed 60 or 70 or 80 times by one person. I mean, it's, it's a crazy world sometimes. But I don't know if it was a good thing, or if maybe it was one thing, maybe it was one guy. I don't know. They they gotta have cameras. I mean, they have to be able to tell tell the public pretty soon what happened. And also, it says here, according to the New York Times, an official with knowledge of the incident had said that Nasser was in a general population unit at the time of the attack. So this didn't mm. happen in the in the area that he's normally in. This happened in general population. 
probably over there going to watch uh, Wimbledon, apparently. He wanted to probably watch the yeah. sports, and that's why he was with that crowd in that specific time. Uh-huh. Now, this so, isn't yeah, the yeah. only time he's been attacked, though, because he was previously attacked back in 2018 at a federal prison in Tucson. And then he was he was then briefly pr- placed in a prison in Oklahoma before he got transferred to the current uh, penitentiary that he's at. So he's probably mm-hmm. going to be then transported again to a different yeah. prison following this now. So, okay. Right. What prison do you think he's going to be transported to? No idea. Uh, uh, no idea. He's got to be locked up in uh, maximum security. He has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the the inmate has been identified as Shane McMillan, uh, who has been uh-huh. previously convicted of assault correctional officer at a federal penitentiary in Louisiana back in 2006, um. and also attempting to stab another inmate to death at the federal supermax prison in Florence, Colorado, back in 2011. So the the guy that attacked him does have a history of of attacking others. Uh, also, in, in in regards to Nasser's condition, he does have a collapsed lung. So there is that. Uh, obviously, you know he's probably going to be like I said, he's probably going to be transferred again. Um, yeah. But let me bring bring in Kyle into into this, though. Uh, Kyle, we've been talking about the Larry Nassar stabbing. Uh, Larry Nassar, if you don't remember, was the former gymnastics team doctor for Team USA, uh, who is now in prison for pretty much the rest of his life for sexual assault. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kyle, on uh, on him being stabbed ten different times in prison? So I, so I, I've never been to prison. I, I don't know jail life, you know. Um, but from what I've seen on you know platforms and people talk about it, you know, there's there's things you don't do in prison. You know, you, you don't snitch, you don't touch little children, you don't touch you know, young, young adults who are not of age yet, right. you know, so, you know, I, I mean, trust me, like, I, I'm all for an eye for an eye and stuff like that, you know, I'm kind of glad, man, you know, I can only pray that he's okay, but hey, you kind of got what yeah. you deserve, you know, that's, you know, um, you can go on and on about athletes and, you know, Aaron Hernandez and what he did and blah, 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 and, but dude, like, like I said, I, I don't know about, you know, prison code that well, but I know if I ever end up in prison, I'm definitely not going to be yeah. on charges for doing what he did, you know, so, you know, I, right. I definitely hope he's okay, but, you know, hey, you kind of got what you deserve, buddy, you know, you, you mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns, you know, you, you play with yeah. fire yeah. long enough, you're going to get burned, you know, you know, I'm like, dude, like, it's kind of good, I mean, burn. you know, good, I mean, good, yeah, like I said, I hope he's okay. But hey, like, good for, good for them in yeah. prison. I mean, they don't they don't take no shit, you know. Like I like I said, I, I don't also, like swearing too much on the show. And also, just like a dark topic. I don't know. 
you know, ju- just to of- just to sort of add on to it, because I because I know Kyle, you weren't you weren't on the line when I when I uh, said the reason why. Uh, apparently, he made a comment in general population because he's normally not in general population. He's in another wing that's reserved for mental illnesses and pedophiles. But he was right. sitting in general population, and they were watching a women's Wimbledon tennis match. And apparently, he said that I wish there were I wish there were girls playing, like young girls. Right. And that yeah. then caused the inmate to stab him. Good. I, I mean, good. Think about it. it yeah. Think about it. It's probably an in, it, it's one of the it's probably an inmate child. I mean, not their child directly, but that's how they think in prison. They go, oh, you know, you mess with a little girl. That's my daughter. That's someone's little girl. That's, that's someone's wrong. baby girl. Yeah, you don't do that. Like that's the biggest thing in prison is you don't snitch and you don't you don't talk about little girls or little boys like that. That's, that's disgusting. It's no wonder why he was in a different way. He's a psychopath. He needs to be locked up. Where they find the hangs, though? Or wherever they used to do the stabbing. I thought stuff like that wasn't allowed in prison. Uh, well, I'm yeah, glad it's, it's in prison. Allowed. It's not allowed, but it's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen. Because they, you right. know, they kind of figure... There, there are some inmates that figure, you know, I'm in here probably for life. What's another, you know, what, what's another charge on my, uh, 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 what's, what's another the, uh, charge on me for? You right. know, what's that going to do? the old adage of, like, if you, you know, the most dangerous people are those who have nothing to lose. That's the same guy who gets arrested right. 35 times, 35 times for attacking people in a subway in the Bronx or in L.A., I mean, or wherever. But, you know, some people just don't give a, don't give a flying, you know what. Right, a horse that, you know, taking a life is like so, you, can, I mean, you know they'll blink, they'll, they'll they'll sleep well after doing something like that. Certain people are just wired yeah. a different way than us. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a, you know I mean it's a long it, it's uh, basically you can call it karma working its way back uh, to bite him in the ass essentially. Uh, but moving on though, uh, just a little a little announcement which. Um, you know, for boxing fans and, and UFC fans, they're going to love this. The fight is now official. Tyson Fury will fight former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou under boxing rules in Saudi Arabia on October 28th. And what may be perhaps obviously the biggest money fight that Nganu is probably going to ever get. And, I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. Uh, unless he can knock out Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury is going to have a, a pretty easy payday uh, in this in this bout, considering it's Nganu's first boxing uh, fight, I believe, yeah. uh, wow. considering he was a mixed martial artist. So... It should be a pretty easy payday for the Gypsy King, uh, Tyson Fury. <laughs> now, going over to the NHL for a second here. Uh, oh, my God, I'm getting so many notifications. Every, every time I get an ESPN notification, because I'm wearing, I'm wearing earbuds. So every time I keep getting uh, – every time I get an ESPN notification – 
because it's, it's yeah. letting me know what's going on in the revolution game in soccer. Well, it, mu- it, must uh, be, it must be it must be an intern. They fired ninety four percent of their employees. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but we do have some news in the NHL, in particular uh, involving forward or former NHL forward Alex Galchenyuk, who has now been released from his contract with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, in particular, for an incident that happened on July 9th, where he was arrested on a number of charges, including private property hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, and threatening or intimidating an officer. In particular, Alex Galchenyuk allegedly threatened to chop, and I, I, you know, they put this in quotation marks, chop an officer who responded to the hit-and-run incident and cut out the kidneys of the officer's family members, according to a report obtained Friday by 12 News, I believe, out of, uh, out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, he said in particular... I will end your bloodline. One phone call and you're dead. Player's mood changed rapidly while interacting with police, and he allegedly, deci- uh, he allegedly displayed signs of impairment. Uh, Galchenyuk's father was at the scene and told officers he had never seen his son act aggressively, so aggressively before. Uh, the police report shows one of the officers accused the suspect of using a racial slur towards an African-American mm-hmm. officer during the incident. And this, this comes two weeks after he signed a one-year deal with the Arizona Coyotes. And now, as a result, the Arizona Coyotes have announced that they, ha- that they are cutting Galchenyuk from their roster. Uh, basically placing him on unconditional waivers for the purposes of terminating his contract. Uh, the club will have no further comment at this time. Uh, and basically, as I said, he is facing charges of property hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, and threatening or intimidating an officer. Yeah, exactly. not just his hot... I mean, maybe he may get a second chance overseas, but yeah, his uh, his NHL career. And, I mean, his NHL career was over with, anyways. But his AHL career, because uh, he played last year in the AHL, yeah, that's right. for the Colorado Eagles. Uh, his North American hockey career is over with, basically at this point. Wow. Goodbye. Time to move on. And yeah. assuming that assuming that he never plays another game in the NHL, uh, he leaves the NHL with totals of 146 goals, 208 assists for 354 points through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 seasons, I think. In the, no, 12, wait. 11 seasons in the league. So, needless to say, moving on from that, uh, I mean, just put it this way, that 
But you want to talk about karma. Uh, in that case, he acted real damn quick. Uh, some other little NHL tidbits that we didn't get to last week. Uh, San Jose, they have signed right winger Philip Zadina, formerly of the Detroit Red Wings, to a one-year, $1.1 million yes. deal in an attempt to somehow resurrect his career. Uh, whether or not he can get that done, we will see. The LA Kings have re-signed their captain, Anze Kopitar, to a two-year, $7 million and, uh, average annual value extension. Uh, so Kopitar, you know, Kopitar is one of those, one of those players that, uh, that people were wondering, sort of like Patrice Bergeron, will he be retiring anytime yeah. soon? Uh, Kopitar though, he, he's still playing at the top of his career, at the top of his, uh, game and he will be in a Kings, he will remain in a Kings uniform for at least the next two seasons. Uh, however, there, there is one team who made a pretty significant move. The Ottawa Senators have acquired forward Dominic Kubalik, along with prospect defenseman Donovan Sabrango, a conditional 2024 first-round draft pick, whichever one is the lower of Detroit or Boston's first-round picks. And Detroit's 2024 fourth-round selection in exchange for forward Alex DeBrincat. So Detroit loses Tyler Bertuzzi, and instead they bring in Alex DeBrincat, who probably may be an upgrade over Bertuzzi, if I'm being perfectly honest. So Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so a, uh, a little, a little uh, knock there to Don Sweeney. Everybody else is improving. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, just, just, uh, just filling out the roster. The general manager of the Boston Bruins. Okay. So Don, so Don Sweeney, what the what the fuck are you doing? Just sitting around and yes. signing, uh, signing uh, minimum value free agents instead of I don't know. Uh, bringing back somebody like Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh no, wait. I'm sorry. What uh, one year for five million was too much to bring him back. I'm sorry. That's my mistake. Even though uh, apparently they claimed uh, they claimed that yep. uh, one year deals apparently were yep. never on the table. Yep. But. Uh, Elsewhere, the New York Rangers, they signed K'Andre Miller to a two-year extension worth about $7.7 million, uh, an average annual value of $3.8 million. Uh, he was a restricted free agent and will remain a restricted free agent when he next hits free agency in two years. All right. I think that's about all I have for NHL. So let's move on to let's wait. Yeah. Let's move on to Major League Baseball. Uh, Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Where do we start here? Uh, You know what? Let's start with the trade deadline coming up. 
because there is one gigantic name who is all of a sudden now on the market. I am, of course, talking about the the next or the the reincarnation of Babe Ruth himself, Shohei Otani. Oh yes, yes. As he has, as he has apparently, uh, according to John Morosi, the Angels are now in a listening mode with Shohei Otani trade inquiries. Yeah. <laughs> Suitors. Suitors must be prepared to offer multiple top 100 type prospects to begin to even get into the conversation of potentially acquiring him. Let's go. So, Harry, if if people are one, if if people aren't living under a rock uh, and don't know who Shohei Otani is. He's basically the Japanese version of Babe Ruth. Yes. He can pitch. He can hit. And, I mean, just put, just putting putting it this way, uh, through from in his major league career since he, since he came over in 2018, 35 and 19 record with a 3.09 earned run average. He's batting a career 272 with 159 home runs and 413 runs batted in. Needless to say, this uh, the return package, in my opinion, may be the potentially the biggest that we will have seen in Major League Baseball history. It's going to be. It's, he's the best player of our generation, and he he's a two. Yeah. He's a two-position player. I mean, he's the best of both worlds. You could literally, if you're an agent or part of his <clears> team, <throat> yeah. part of his marketing team, Uh-oh. you could argue he is two players for one. So, yeah, damn, damn Skippy, he's going to get the biggest contract ever. Yeah. And also another thing, too, is that if he does get moved, uh, you know, teams have to remember that he technically could be a uh, you know you know he could end up being a rental because you know if teams are yeah. going to give up this much for him they better make sure they sign him to an extension right away because if he hits the free agent market the LA Dodgers are expected to be the favorites to sign him of course we'll see if you're a boy isn't he a Dodger now no he's an angel no he's an angel that's the angels okay well, it is, well, the same, 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 same city with a different uh, team. Yeah, same state. Well, I mean, it's a little bit misleading. I mean, he may be good, but he's no angel. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah or he's no angel like Greg Allman. Oh, 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 oh. Exactly. Oh. But, Steve, like we were saying, I love uh, Greg Allman, but, Steve, as we were saying offline yeah, yesterday and today a little bit, I mean, it's ballsy, but, I mean, look, there's different levels and different sports involved, but you can compare it even like, look, I remember Carmelo Anthony. I'm not I'm not a big Melo fan. He's not as big of an athlete. He's not close to uh, Otani. But just as an example, remember the Knicks gave up, like, Gallinari in his prime and uh, three or four other players I can't even name. They gave up a, a, a King's Ransom, even as Melo said, guys, I'm from New York. I'm going to be there this summer. I'll sign. They didn't even risk it. They moved, ha- like, half their right. starting lineup for him. I mean, 
if you're that confident, I applaud you. I would not be that confident. I would move uh, a few key prospects right now for him just for the chance to sign him. Because if you wait until the summer, uh, 10, 12, 14 teams might be bidding. So if you want him, yeah, you've got to pony up right now. And, and you have to have a handshake or a, a knowledge that he's going to resign. Right. And also right. this season, this season as of today, he is batting 303 with 32 homers and 71 runs batted in. Uh, as far as pitching goes, uh, where is he pitching? Oh, boy. For some, for some reason, it's not showing it's not showing his pitching stats. But, uh, hmm. ooh, actually, he's on a bit of a uh, – oh, wait, those are batting. Let's see, pitching. He's two and three in his last five games, but, but you know, just needless to say, it's it's probably going to take a king's ransom in order to acquire him. And, oh, yeah. seven and five with a three point five ERA this year. Uh, though a lot of that can do with the fact that the Angels absolutely suck this year, uh, but. Needless to say, probably going to take a king's ransom. Like, just to give a comparison, if I'm the Boston Red Sox and I'm looking at potentially getting Shohei Otani, I will immediately have to give up Marcelo Meyer. I would have to give up Sedan Rafaela. I'd probably have to give up Miguel Blaze. I'd probably have to yeah. give up Roman Anthony. And uh, on top of it, uh, Mr. Mayor, your top prospect is the first target they, they desire. Yes. That's and the number one. That's not, the starting not just that's that. The starting, that's the starting point for the Angels. Yeah, who I named, I, I, I literally just named our four top prospects. Yeah. I mean, yeah. would you do it? Would you do it, Steve, if you're calling the shot, if you're a team bloom right now? Uh, I mean, if I had if well, I had assurance that Sho- if I had assurance that Otani would restart would sign long term, that's the key. Yeah, I might because I, I, I mean, uh, here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning. Meyer, okay, Meyer is yeah he you know he's considered our top prospect. You get rid of Meyer, there is a reason why you drafted Mikey Romero last year. As, uh, you know, he's considered to be our second top prospect when it comes to shortstops. So, I mean, it's obvious they're in a they're in a rut right now when it comes to the shortstop position to begin with. Because, I mean, they got T.K. Hernandez, who probably could be designated for assignment at any point. They got to be better uh, than that. They got to step that up. You know, Marcelo Meyer, he just made it to AAA this year. Yep. Or no, 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 he's with Portland, actually. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Is he with AAA? No, Steve, Steve, you're the guru all things Boston and Fenway, of course. Is he? He's 20, right? Isn't he 20 years old? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He can take some seasoning. You don't want to, you know, and Lou, you, I mean, you know, too. I mean, you don't want to break this guy's spirit. You don't want to bring him up when he's not quite ready. Yeah. So it might be better right. to wait till next year, but they, I mean, right now, man, they have a glaring hole there, and they're on the wild card fringe. It's kind of tempting through Boston's well, lens no, if to, I'm bringing to, anybody to up, bring him up. 
if I'm bring, no, if I'm no. bringing anybody up, I'm bringing up Rafaela. He's a really good Rafaela player. Rafaela can play shortstop. Rafaela can play shortstop, oh, and he can play yeah, center no, field. Hundred percent, hundred percent right. I, I totally, I didn't, I failed to acknowledge that he could play. He can play short too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they got to do something so, with, that, with that shortstop. I mean, would I, you know, would I give up those prospects? And you would probably, you would probably have to throw in Jaron Duran and maybe Bray and Bello. So we're talking like six players that they would have to put into this deal. I think I think they would do just real quick, just real quick, Steve. I can play devil's advocate. Yeah. If I was if I was the Angels, I would give you Otani. Uh, if you're representing Boston, I think I'd bet twenty bucks right now. Angels would do it if you offered um, Duran. Awesome athletic center fielder for the next ten years, and Bello possibly an ace. Mm-hmm. He's like twenty two, and then uh, Mayer. Those are three really really elite prospects. We'll get it done right now. I think just those three. Uh, I think Angels are They might lose. Uh, I'm perfect. Just being perfectly honest, I think it's going to take more than those three. I think wow. they're going to want. Basically, they're going to want a king's ransom, and I honestly, I don't think that that's enough to pry away uh, Shohei Otani. You know, they would want. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you 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 put in Duran, you put in Bello, and you put in Meyer. They would that's want really nice. at up least, the middle. They, short they would also want. Short they would also want at least Rafaela, or yeah. Uh, they would want at least Rafaela and also another prospect on top of him. I so, agree. I mean, the, the quickest way to look at the Rays and look at some of these teams that build out awesome rosters, yeah. Dodgers, obviously, teams like that. Red Sox, you know, Yankees, their best years. I mean, you start with the up the middle, right? Shortstop, catcher, right. center fielder. I mean, in that Boston trio, you're getting the best deal I think that Otani could get because you're getting this, you're getting a young center fielder, a young shortstop. And a young potential ace up the middle. I mean, that's a great core right there to get Otani, who might be gone for not for for nothing in a few months. He might wave goodbye, and they might not get anything back for him. Yeah. So it's like I'm doing that deal. You want to give me four or five prospects? Definitely doing the deal. I mean, now the longer the course, Angels wait, the longer the Angels wait, they're going to lose leverage. They're going to get less the longer right. they wait. And, you know, another thing, too, is you also have to consider where the Angels – because right now they say they're listening, but a deal appears <laughs> unlikely. You you have to take into account where they are in the standings. They're at 45 and 47 right now. They're fourth in the AL West. They're six games out of a wild card spot. Uh, I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, if if I know – if I know that Shohei Otani isn't re-signing with my club, I am dealing him, but I am looking to get the best package possible. And right you know now, what? it says that it says the Yankees and the Dodgers are at the top of the list when it comes to teams that would uh, good, that good would for deal for him. Good for the Yankees. The Yankees have none of those prospects at that level that the no. that you just described. They have Volpe. Okay. The Sox have more young talent advantage Sox. Who are the Yankees um, have to give up in order to get those guys? Uh, they need more good young players, which they don't have. So they're less attractive than the Red Sox or other teams. You know, the, 
the minor league system that they uh, have. Wait, well, give you Stan, we'll give you Stanton and Donaldson. Stanton and Donaldson can't even hit a, a beach ball. They're useless. I mean, the Yankees have a lot of useless players. They're not into food sticks. Brotani, sorry. Yeah, Lou, Lou what, did, what, what, were you, what were you saying about, about the Yankees? The, uh, well, the Yankees were, were an injured unit before. They had a lot of, you know, good players in their, their minor league team in double A and triple A. This year, it doesn't seem to be having that same effect. I mean, yeah, you're calling out players in double A, but they're not, but they're not being as effective as they were the last time uh, at the Yankees and Rangers. They still managed to win the division. I mean, you know, it's, it's a far cry from where we were the last time. Yeah, and you know what? I'm actually looking at their prospect pool right now, and uh, I mean, they got Dominguez. they got ja- they got Jason Dominguez that they could probably offer, but. Other than that, you know, their number three and four prospects are 22 okay. years old. Their number two prospect is 24 years old. Florio I mean, was the, one of the, the Yankees blue chip guy. He's like 25 now. They, Cashman and Boone have been horrendous, I think, for the past couple of years. But whatever, it is what it is. People get mad when I, when I call the Yankees out for what they are. But uh, their Honestly, minor league system, I'm sorry, it's not, it's, not on, it's, not, it's yeah. not close to the Sox or the Orioles. Or the race. I mean, the entire division lapped them. The Yankees don't have the prospects to get Otani. Yeah, you know, I actually have to agree with it that. It is what it is. I, I'm, I'm just looking at the list right now, and the the I think they're, I, I think their only player that's in the top 100. Okay, no, they have two players in the top 100: uh, Dominguez and Wells. But Wells is 24. I mean, honestly, you know, Wells is a catcher. He's 24. Uh, they drafted him three years ago. And I don't know that much actually, about this guy. I'm not, and, again, I'm not trying to smash the Yankees. I respect the heck out of all their rings. I know they have great fans like Lou and stuff. I'm just saying I don't know about that. The farm system just doesn't look great. I mean, this guy, Wells. I do a pretty good job staying on top of minor league and big names. I don't. I don't know two things about this guy. I, I don't. I don't think Otani's gonna. I don't think the Angels are really uh, looking at this guy. Who's Wells? He's a. Cameraman. I mean, I'm kind of. I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised that this guy uh, hasn't been able to take either Trevino or Higashioka's spot because he's a catcher. Yeah. So. If he's not, I mean, Trevino's hitting 211, and what is Higashioka? Uh, 236. So Higashioka is actually actually the better of the two. But yeah, if you if you, I mean, if you combine honestly, them, they're hitting. Uh, if you combine them, they're hitting uh, Louis Darius. All right, going back to Boston here for a second. Uh, you take a look at who they have in the top 100 they have marcelo meyer at number three and we're talking all of baseball uh marcelo meyer's at number three Mm -hmm. uh let's see where's the next one rafael uh is at 82 nick york is at 86 miguel blaze is at 87 and mm-hmm. Roman Anthony just cracked the 100 just recently. So, uh, 
Is York still legit? I, Steve, I know you're 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 the expert on that area, like with that team. I mean, I've heard that name for a couple of years. Anytime you hear a name for years and years and they don't come up, you start to get a little skeptical. Is York legit? Uh, I mean, he just made Double A this year. He's still only tw- he's only 21 years old. Wow, you know, uh, he okay. just made wow, Double A. He just he just made double A this year with Marcelo Meyer. They're basically the they're basically the tandem out there at second base and shortstop, the two of them. That's nice. For the Portland Sea Dogs. So I mean, I would say say York does have a chance to make a major league roster. I mean, not right now obviously, yeah. but you know, I think he's progressing the way that Boston wants him to right now. Uh, looking at his stats in Portland, he's batting 275, nine homers, 38 RBIs. So, you know, and he's been in Portland all year this year. So he's still. And I'll, you know, another another thing to note is the year that he was drafted uh, in 2021, he actually rose up to elevated single A that same year. So I was thinking it down. He, he's actually risen pretty quickly in this uh, in this system. I was thinking it down as that kind of older prospect that still hasn't made it. So York, yeah, no, I was dead wrong on York. I realized that York York still has a world of potential because he's only 21. I was thinking down. Uh, down the maybe Dodgers, kind of a lost cause. York's legit. I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, in terms of firepower, the Dodgers have more than enough. They have like six or seven different people in the top 100. I think the Dodgers, if they wanted to, they could yeah. make a, they could make a bid for Shohei Otani today if they wanted to. Yeah. That's the key. And that's what I, I think me, you, and our brother, everyone, everyone on the sun has been listening to this, these rumors. I think that's probably going to be the destination. But, again, do you wait until the summer? Or do you give up three or four or five prospects right now to make sure he does, he, he's your guy? <laughs> it's really a, a tough debate. I mean, if you guys are the Dodgers, would you, would you send a package right now and just make sure he's a Dodger? Or wait? Uh, well, they're going to ask I mean, three or four guys. You know, honestly, I would look at because obviously the Dodgers are going to be one of the favorites in free agency. I would look and see, okay, our main competitor is going to be the Yankees. Yep. So, free agency. The Yankees have been known in the past to outspend other people, uh, other teams. So, put it, put, it, put it like this. Would you want to risk potentially getting in a bidding war and losing that bidding war to the Yankees. And also, I mean, obviously the implications of the AL East rivalry, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot more than the average job. Oh, well, Two teams. So, like, yeah, to get Otani is a massive death knell. It's a huge uppercut blow to the other opponent. So, yeah, it's a massive, massive move. I mean, that's how I, mean, I would go if, out. I would be very safe. I'd give them what they want and just and then just walk home smiling with Otani. Just to make right. sure he's mine, you know, I'd give them what, what they I'm want. Saying. That's what I'm saying. The, the Dodgers, they have enough prospects 
to where if they were to if they were to deal Ota, uh, to deal for Otani, they would probably still have a couple of prospects left in the top 100. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, Lou, would you go Volpe so, and several other people to go? Would you would you trade basically your top tier guys, including Volpe, the top you know younger guys? Would you try to do that for Otani yeah. or not, Lou? Volpe hasn't really been, you know, putting up the numbers like that. So I don't know if I, you know, take him. But I don't, but I don't think the Angels are going to give up, you know, Otani so easily. You know, they're going to fight the uh, because without him, I don't think the Angels have much of a prayer this year. You know what kind of? Um, it's very sad, but to your point. I mean, what kind of did it in though? What, it's going to make it a lot harder. Like basically now, yeah. it really seems like he's leaving when Trout got injured. Because watch, they're going to flounder now. They're going to drop out of the race within the yeah, next two weeks. They will. You know what I mean? They kind of like just deflated their balloon. They're kind of shot. Right. Yeah, I mean, they are six games out of the wild card. So, in, in all honesty, if I'm, if I'm L.A. right now, I'm looking realistically at this. I'm like, okay – we know that it's probably that the Dodgers and the Yankees are probably going to be competitors for him in free agency. Maybe the Mets. Would Maybe we, Dog Horse. Mm-hmm. you know, w- would we be able to outspend them? You know, would, would we, uh, w- with us being the ones to bring Shohei originally into the United States, would we have any sort of leverage in, Extension talks. Well, they they could have and, added arms and act, they could have acted mature and responsible as front office people and added legit starting pitchers, which they have never done. From you know, send Anthony Rendon, who gets injured falling out of bed, to like a two hundred fifty million dollar deal. They've never they've always neglected the pitchers. Trout probably doesn't want to be there. Otani's going to leave. He, why would he, yeah. why would he want to stay there? I hate to say it. I mean, think about it. Why would he want to stay there versus going to like the LA Dodgers and being a total Elvis Presley, you know, icon, or or New York City or yeah, and, and he might go to the Mets. He might go to the Yankees or Mets. I mean, they're all going to be lined up for him. I don't think he's going to stay in. Anaheim. And by the way, that that Anthony Rendon contract that may be one of the worst contracts since oh, Bobby Bonilla. So bad. Oh boy, what a waste. He has one. He has one home run this year, I think. It's two hundred and fifty million dollar deal. One? I mean, and they have Reed Detmer. I mean, they have they really God bless him. I, I hope you know, they have like a bunch of like number four and number five starters. No yeah. speed. I mean, what what kind of blueprint do they have? Otani's like, Yeah, this is not this is not gonna yeah. do it. Yeah, you were close. Two home runs. Two home runs and twenty two RBIs batting two thirty six. So if you're Otani, if you can pick if you can pick your destination, do you want to stay in Anaheim? The answer is probably no. In all honesty, yeah, I would be very shocked. He he can get the biggest contract ever. You know, it's not. We're not talking about like you know, jumping for a ring chaser like you know Kyrie or KD, but he can go wherever he wants. I mean, Dodgers would be. I mean, you look. I hate to say it, but Dodgers would be perfect. It is what it is. You look at the Angels. You look at the Angels right now. Gio Urshela is out for the year with a broken pelvis. Trout is on the injury list right now. Who knows when he'll be back. Uh, Rendon just got put on the injured list with a shin injury. 
I mean, not like that's going to make much of a difference, but honestly, you know, if I'm Otani, if I'm Otani, I'm leaving in free agency because if your ultimate goal is to win, you're not winning in an L.A. Angels uniform. No. In all honesty, you know, in all honesty, you're winning in a you're winning in a Dodgers uniform or anything, and maybe the Yankees. If if you do go to New York, maybe perhaps, yeah. you know, that could be what catapults the Yankees back into World Series favorite uh, type of status. Now, if as you can, far as if you can make earlier, if, though, if, he, if I mean, I was going to say, if Otani so can make half the Yankees want to pick 200, the Yankees need a lot more than Otani, but, yeah, it'd be cool if they got him. Yeah. Their issues, their issues run as, a lot deeper than Otani. As far as what you said, though, about Volpe earlier, if I'm the Yankees, I don't give him up. And then you're the not reason Otani. being, exactly. There's nothing to offer because there's not, yeah, it's a non-starter. I'm sorry, just look at, if you're non-biased, if, if one of us is running uh, Anaheim right now, you're looking at the different options. I mean, Volpe, and then I'm, I'm struggling to think about who else. Well, Versus Al- Boston, Alex, got the reason why I say that, Alex, yeah. the reason why I say that, though, is, okay, you get rid of Volpe. Who else do you have at shortstop? Peraza, younger, nice middle infield, more of a defensive guy. But, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I mean, both of their best young talent. Their best young talent. But, I mean, Anaheim's going to want him. That's kind of like that's got to be a key part of the deal if I'm Anaheim. I mean, honestly, you know, I think the I think the the road to trading Volpe, if anything, that would have been last year. If you were going to make a trade at all and trade away Volpe, that would have been last year that you would have done it. So that good value. I he's think had, he's having growing, growing pains. He's still a valued, uh, good commodity league-wide. I think he has a oh. lot of uh, popularity. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying he doesn't have value. But what I'm saying is is that you know he's already he's already left the mark on the Yankees uh, right now. To where I mean he's batting thirteen homers, thirty seven RBIs, two sixty average. Yep. If you oh wait a minute. No, I'm sorry, that's Labor Torres. What am I thinking? Uh yeah, thirteen homers, thirty three RBIs, a two twelve sure. average. If you get rid of Volpe if you get rid of Volpe, I mean, yeah, you could bring up Peraza, but Peraza was batting one eighty eight before oh, he got no. sent down this year. Anaheim's hanging up unless you include Volpe just to even start this conversation. So it's like kind of well, – <laughs> Volpe's going to be in the deal. Yeah, I know. If they make a deal. I know, but that's what kind of makes me think – that kind of makes me think that New York will just wait until the until free agency. Yeah, that might be smarter if than Because they, their cupboard's a little bit – their cupboard's not as stacked as maybe a Boston or like a Tampa or some. You know, their minors just aren't as deep. Yeah. Right. Mets have yeah. a package too. Uh, Mets, Mets, have, Mets have Alvarez, Beatty, Vientos, uh, Parada. The Mets have the best minor league catcher, Parada, and they have the best rookie catcher, Francisco Alvarez. So that's catchers are kind of a hot commodity. They Mets have a shot, and Sanga's Sanga's best friends with Otani. I'm just saying that they might be a little underdog. They might be able to get him too, and they have the richest owner now, Cohen. 
I mean, the Mets are going to make a push for Otani, too. And they could make it like Boston. Parada's, I think he's the number one catcher in the minors, Kevin Parada. Yeah, Parada's ranked number 40 right now for uh, top 100. Dude, and they they can give up Alvarez, too. They're a young catcher. He's on pace for 30 home runs. I mean, then you have have Mauricio. You have Mauricio at 58. Brent Baby. Uh, 58. You have, mean, Jet, you have Jet Williams at 84. They have prospects. So they have three prospects in the top 100. So I could see, I, you know, I do think the Mets could potentially insert themselves uh, in the Mets conversation. Also, Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland has quite the haul as well. So you wouldn't read the top Cleveland. 100 list. You wouldn't stay in Ohio. I mean, Mets can no, give up Alvarez and Beatty. Not, they, they, the, Mets, the Mets have two starters that are 22 years old that are putting up good numbers. Those are good commodities. Like at Volpe, they're already in the league, and they're really young. So you have contract control and just development. I mean, in three or four years, Volpe could be an all-star. He could be hitting 300 in two years. You never know. Mets have uh, do we want to uh, do kinda, do we want to think? Do we want to think nuts for a second here and kind of think outside the box? Sure. Because I got an interesting team here. You uh, want to talk about? You want to talk about a team that is that, that wants to go all in? Rangers. How about the Texas Rangers? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Rangers. Yep. Just they have just an incredible lineup. This. Just listen to this, Jack Leiter. Uh, he's ranked yeah. ninety-one. Out of the top 100. Cowboy? Brock Porter. Brock Porter, yeah, 61. Uh, you have best, uh, Luis Angel prospect, Acuna. Their best, prospect, their best prospect, uh, Evan, uh Evan Young, is the center fielder. The Rangers have a great center fielder, too, to offer. So they have all those uh, Evan, Yeah, Evan, Evan Carter. Young. Yeah, he's ranked he, he's the number Carter, six sorry, uh, prospect. Yeah, he's nice. the number six prospect in all of Major League Baseball. And plus, they have, yeah, they, two, they yeah. have two players in the 40s, too. So, look out, the Texas Rangers. I mean, we've seen them spend money. They, you know, they, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to, uh, to spend a little more money and bring in the likes of uh, of Shohei Otani. Especially if it means that, yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: the Rangers uh, are among the top two teams in the American League as far as betting odds to make the World Series. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it should be it should be very interesting to mm-hmm. see if if uh, LA does decide to ultimately sell Otani. In my opinion, I think it would be a big mistake if they didn't. But, yeah. uh, you know, with with Trout on the injured list and Urshela is out for the season, you know, there's six games uh, off of the wild card. I just, I honestly, and they've lost their last six games too. Uh, they're one yeah. and nine in their last ten. You know, I just don't see LA. We're good. We're good. I, I, I don't see L.A. contending without Trout there. No. 
No, that's not, that won't happen. Cash just wasted away out there from Jersey. He, he could be a Philly. I mean, goes to every Eagle game. Crowd is just like, what am I doing in Anaheim? They should be a lot better yeah. than what they were, and I think the time's up with them. I think that the song is over with them. They're breaking up the band. Break up the band. Now, sh- shifting over a little bit to the trade deadline. Uh, trade deadline is August 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, obviously, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, a lot of speculation of who might get moved. I know I know Cody Bellinger of the Chicago Cubs is listed as one of the top deadline targets this year to potentially be moved, considering I in hell this year for the Cubs batting 304, 12 homers, 35 RBIs. He's on pace yeah. to have his best season since 2019 when he won the MVP back with the Dodgers. So uh, it sounds like the San Diego Padres might be in the mix for him. Uh it sounds like the Dodgers, you can probably rule out the Dodgers for a potential reunion with Bellinger. Uh, the Cubs, more than, li- or more than likely the Cubs are probably selling, so they're going to be selling a lot of pieces at this deadline. Uh, according to Mark Feinsand of MLB.com, he sees fits for Bellinger with the Cleveland Guardians, the New York Yankees, and the San Francisco Giants in potential yeah. deadline deals. Yeah. Yankees love him. Apparently, he's got a thing for New York too. He could easily. I could see him going to uh, the Yankees. I mean, the you know the Yankees would definitely make sense because they do need they do need an in, uh, you know a uh, an injection of energy into their lineup. And right now, they sit two games out of the wild card. Uh, let me put it this way. I see the Yankees being more buyers than I do the Red Sox. Because right now, with the Red Sox two and a half games out, uh, because of their epic 10-4 to loss to the Chicago Cubs earlier today, I just I don't see the Red Sox being serious contenders. Because, as I said, as I said on your show earlier today, Lou, this is where I see yeah. the Red Sox. They're going to be buyers and sellers at the same time. They're going to try and make deals to to sort of sneak their way into the playoffs, thinking that they can be contenders, only to only to just lose most of their remaining games. And. Uh, you know, honestly, I just – right now they sit at 49 and 44. Unless they get well, starting pitching – so. Yeah, but unless they get starting pitching, th- there's nothing that this club th- – this club is going nowhere, basically. Right. Unless they can get starting pitching and a lot of it at the deadline, this club yeah. is going nowhere. Uh, obviously, Tampa and Baltimore, you can expect them to be buyers. I would assume Toronto will probably jump into the buying market, potentially, yeah. uh, considering they're in a wild-card spot. 
the Yankees are in a wild card, or well, they're not currently in a wild card spot, but they're in a better position, I feel, than the Red Sox. Uh, Boston, I just think it would be a mistake if they choose to add at this point because they're still making the same stupid decisions. Like, for example, putting Kike at shortstop today for him to make his 20th error of the season, it feels like, uh, which ultimately led to a six-run third inning for the Chicago Cubs to basically run away with the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if P.K. Hernandez gets designated for assignment at some point within the next couple of I days. Think, yeah. But I think it's time's up. It's not, you cannot – I think it would be – Especially now going into, going into the crunch time with the wild card, you cannot be uh, wussy-footing around and starting that guy at shortstop. Sorry. It's not going to work. they got to pull that ball. Well, point. here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. I think that this was a decision made not by Alex Cora, I think it was a decision made by Hein Bloom because Alex Cora is too smart to fiddle around with lineups, especially utilizing a player who he knows does not excel at shortstop and would re- would better would be used better at either second base or on the outfield. Oh, it's a joint you know, trip to the I, th- I think it's definitely – I think this this whole entire debacle with T.K. Hernandez at shortstop has been primarily a Heim Bloom type of move. And, and I mean, in all honesty, you know, it's – I still believe that T.K. Hernandez has value. And the reason being, because if you're, if you're a smart general manager and you put him at somewhere yeah. else other than shortstop, he actually will contribute. He actually has value in that sort of way. But, you know, Hein Bloom deciding that he wants to be all, he wants to be all big brain thinking that he's smarter than everybody else. Oh, look at me. I can turn, I can turn a player like PK Hernandez into the next Brock Holt who can play any position out there on the field. Uh, No. In my, if I was running this team, this experiment would have been done a long time ago. And when I say done, I mean I would have pulled the plug on this experiment a long time ago. But leave it to leave it to Heim Bloom thinking that he's smarter than everybody else, and now all of a sudden. Uh, I mean, put it put it this way: If they designate TK for assignment and don't get anything back for him, if they don't trade him, that would be severe mismanagement on Heim's part in terms of being a general manager. Right. Now, yeah, going over to another, going over to another potential. T- or uh, I'm I'm sorry, Alex, you were going to say something. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you, saying, yeah, time. I mean, it's, it's definitely a good opportunity for him to do something. Yeah, but I know what he's going to do. He's going to buy and sell and try to try to outsmart everybody else, only to have fucking egg on his face again at the end of the season when players that yeah. he could have sold end up leaving in free agency. 
just like what happened with Ivaldi, just like what happened with Bogart, just like what happened with J.D. Martinez. Three big names. Yep, proof's in the pudding. Until proven otherwise, yeah. probably what's going to happen. Probably what's uh, on tap. Now, there is one other very interesting name out there for the San Diego Padres yes. that people believe may be on the move. The Padres, of course, sit at 44 and 48 right now in the NL West, six and a half games out of a wild card spot. So they're probably going to be selling. And one name that has been mentioned is their closer, Josh Hader. Hader, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Soto, Soto you want to talk about too, a guy though. who has value? Yeah, right. Hader, yeah. He's the top five uh, closer in the game. Probably 29, I mean, think about this. How, how, how do you have a 44 and 48 record and you have a yeah. closer who has an ERA of 1.06 with 22 it's saves? Here's another picture with me. It's the Padres. You also have the Manny Machado karma where it's like oh, yeah. he's kind of lazy and then it kind of spills over and rubs off on other people and they lose 2-1 to one and 3-2 to two a lot. And Padres don't have the killer instinct. They don't have a lot of uh, dogs. And think, about, and think about it, too. With all the prospects that they gave up to acquire players like oh, Juan Soto the last couple yep. of years, they could, they could offload. If they, if they assume that they're not going anywhere – in this in this playoff, like they're not going to be in the playoffs. You trade Josh Hader, you could get a majority of those prospects that you lost back. Of course, you could also trade Soto, but Soto's actually like the nice the nicest guy out of that group. Sorry, like Tatis seems kind of a like a like a dick bag. Pardon my Latin. Um, Machado is kind of like, yeah. hey, he'd rather not hustle. So that's always a good a, a good, good you know really good uh, to show the younger players. I mean, yeah, they're, they're just like a big ego team. They don't have what it takes to win the close games. Yeah. I would be selling. Well, don't be surprised, Bogart, though. Bogart, Juan Soto Bogart. could be on the move, too. Yeah, I'm thinking yes. Soto. He's like the one, like, consistent, like, hardworking guy, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely uh, hurt San Diego to have to get rid of them, but they're, they're in a little bit of a logjam yeah. when you take a look at contracts. Oh, they're all absolutely hemmed up. Uh, I mean, the Bogarts, just like an embarrassment of riches, and it's not even winning games. I mean, we talked about this yesterday too, Steve. I mean, Bogarts is like they don't, they had no, absolutely no need for him. Tim is playing great, the Korean guy at shortstop now. So Bogarts is like uncomfortable. They don't even really want to play Bogarts at uh, short. They might DH him now. He's hitting 250 with no power, no speed. Boston was, was correct to cut the court on him to not resign him. I mean, the Padres uh, have just I, fallen that, distance. That like, there is where I disagree with you. Uh, he's I would good. Rather, he's not great. I would rather have Bogarts on that contract that he signed. I would rather have Bogarts with that contract yeah. on Boston True. putting up those numbers than I would rather have yeah. – than I would have Kike putting up the current numbers he's putting up. Yeah, kicking ground right. balls into, into the stands. Yeah, Kike is looking pitiful. Because at least Bogart, I mean, Bogart may commit errors, but yeah. he knows how to play shortstop. Smart guy, too. Hard worker. And, again, I'm not, it, it's true, man. The older, I don't know about you guys, but you realize there's more than stats. 
I mean, look at the Padres lineup. That's a great uh, video game lineup. In real life, they're not winning games. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot right. more to the, the, the game than just going two for five. You know, you want those hustle plays, the, the great attitude. It carries over to the team. I mean, guys like Machado and Tatis, I don't really think they care about winning. <laughs> so I think Soto's well, awesome. that's I think yeah, so no, it? I mean, I think Soto's a championship type player. I think Bogart's obviously proven that. So I don't even think they really fit. I'm, I'm hoping they get moved for their own sake. That, that, and also, that is not working. Care for Bogart, so, yeah, they don't care about winning. You know, it's, that's not yeah. right. It's just not right. To be, to be fair, fair for Bogart, though, yeah. To be fair for Bogart, though, he is putting up. I mean, yeah, his his average is down, but he is hitting pretty close to what he did in Boston last year. He had fifteen homers, seventy. He had fifteen homers and seventy three RBIs through one hundred and fifty games. Uh, this yeah. year, through eighty six. 10 homers and 35 RBIs. Now, granted, 35 is, is low, but that could be also because of how stacked that lineup is and how they, how how teams have to maneuver that lineup now. Not, but so, also not his fault, too. Like, I'm sorry, the lineup's stacked. They're not scoring runs, dude. Yeah. A complete, like, collective overachieving. Or, sorry, underachievers. They really are. I mean, right. having a terrible year. I mean, but all I was trying to say about the RBI thing is simply it's not uh, not Bogart's fault if people are not really on base for him. I mean, I was exactly. looking at the lineup. They should be scoring eight or nine runs a game. They average like four runs a game. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's why that's why I think if he was still with Boston, if he was still with Boston, he would probably better have lineup. slightly better numbers. Can you imagine that too? I mean, that Boston has a much better lineup. I mean, look at the names in San Diego. Just total total failure. Yeah. In San Diego. Yeah, but at the same time, I wouldn't exactly say that Boston has a much better lineup, though. Because no, I mean, but I would say you that. got you got guys. They have younger guys, like like homegrown. That that was my point. I mean, getting was kind of like a mercenary, like a free agent rook history team, just all like randomly yeah. guys coming in, making mucho bucks, just hanging out together. Boston's more like homegrown, probably a little bit more like work ethic. I don't know. That's the way I see it. I'll tell you right now, if they decide to sell, if Boston decides to sell, this is who I expect to be gone. Yes. Justin Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy that. Yeah, I expect Justin Turner would be gone. PK will be gone. Um, Duvall will probably be gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Verdugo goes. Yeah. Ooh. Still young. Still young. Uh, well, yeah, but at the same time, though, his at the same time, though, his you know his trade value isn't any. Uh, it's it's at its highest right now. All time high. Yeah, it might be timing. Yeah, that, you're correct. Uh, I would expect Kenley Jansen may probably be gone. Mm. Uh, maybe Chris Martin. James Paxton, I would assume, because, I mean, pa- Paxton right now is playing brilliantly off of that injury that he that kept him out yeah. last year. Uh, and ever since he came back, he's been one of Boston's best pitchers. Uh, before he got injured, I would have said Chris Sale, but because Sale got injured, probably not. 
so I mean, there's a, there's a ton of players that Boston could if they if they decide to sell. There's a ton of players that they could possibly offload here. It's but in all honesty, they, they have a lot of flexibility. Looking at this team, though, there's no way they're contending. I'm they sorry. The Kiki move is the biggest transgression. You know, this is something that I could see happening. I could see them deciding to stand pat and say, oh, we're going to get Chris Sale and Trevor Story back. Those are going to be our, our, our trade deadline additions. And I could still see them sucking as a result. Yeah, it does suck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's so, old, uh GM. Oh, yeah, we added someone. We got someone back from injury. Eh, whatever. It's kind of like a halfway prize. I mean, they're getting Story back. Are you getting Colorado Story? Hell no. Uh, he looks yeah. like a 250 hitter out east to me. Well, that depends. That depends. Yeah. Where, uh, where are we going to see Story play? Is he going to play shortstop or is he going to play second? What version of Story? Because, because the plan was to have him play shortstop when he comes back. Ugh. And the problem. Yeah, no, is, I mean you're right. I mean, have they, the should have, they should have signed Bogart. I mean, that was that was weird when it happened, and it's really weird now. I remember when that happened. I mean, yeah. they added Story, and Bogarts was not happy about that, obviously. And look where Bogarts is. Well, Bogarts, Bogarts. The problem with the thing with Bogarts is it was as long as Story would stay at second base, and Story specifically oh, okay. said, Story specifically said in an interview with the media, I signed with Boston to play second base. Good for him. With the condition. With the condi- with the condition that he would never return to shortstop. So he if he were to return this year, if he were to return you. this year, he wants to play second, and it has to do with the arm. Exactly, exactly what you're saying, Alex. It has to do with yeah. the arm. No, no, and no. You always put the pieces together for me too. Like, thank you on that. I just didn't even realize that. I mean. He- Story, yeah. I mean, again, though, you get those inflated stats. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Nolan Arenado is one of the few Rockies that ever left Rocky Mountain High and actually put up massive numbers. Yeah. You know, it's like you see these guys that their splits are just dreadful. They leave Colorado. It's like they forgot how to hold a bat. So, I mean, story, yeah, so it's I, look, very, look, very odd. Story looks fucking – story looks subpar as heck last year. I don't know if he comes back now with a new arm and he's a new guy. I just I, – I don't expect much from Story. I think he was just absolutely, you know, amplified. His numbers were, you know, blown up, you know, playing in Colorado. He made the most of his yeah. uh, time there. Maximized his contract. Uh, you know, to be fair, though, the story wasn't that fault. bad last year. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, maybe his numbers have gone down since leaving, since leaving Colorado, but he wasn't that bad. I mean, I can take for a second baseman, I can take 16 home runs, 66 RBIs. I mean, yeah, I would have liked a better average, yeah. but that's Pedroia. He only that's batted Pedroia. 238. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got talent. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to throw him onto the carpet. I mean, he's still got some talent. I just hope you know he can play yeah. a little bit better. But yeah, those, those are passable. Those are you know solid numbers. They're not. They're not egregious. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's not like I'm not expecting. Oh, we're going to get the Colorado uh, Trevor Story. And no, by no the one, way, ESPN no PN has him listed as a shortstop. 
if anybody was wondering. So, yeah, if he's right. going to be coming back, he's going to be he's going to be a shortstop apparently. How close is he to coming back? Uh, my understanding is that he was expected to do a rehab assignment shortly after the All-Star break and that he would be yeah. back in a Red Sox uniform by August. Interesting. We were talking about but a he bit hasn't about, uh, started that rehab yet, though. We were talking about a little bit yesterday, Steve, about uh, – yeah. You know, the Turner experiment second, not long-term, not a viable answer. But, I mean, if you look at Story healthy, being a B-plus, you know, solid maybe 75 RBIs next year, and then you have Mayer, you have a totally totally new uh, middle infield. And you have Rafaela. Right. I mean, there's a lot of positive signs right. uh, pointing out of Boston right now. Although, to be fair, though, too, if they decide to move uh... – if they decide to move Alex Verdugo, I would not be surprised if Rafaela get, gets called up and put in right field. Yeah. Wow. Because Rafaela yeah. is moving quickly up the ranks in AAA right now. So get those guys in the lineup. Homegrown. That's I wouldn't be surprised. It's hard uh, enough to, you know, see, someone... it's hard enough to these teams to sign the right players okay. when you have someone who's who you've known since they were, like, 18 years old. I mean, homegrown is the way to go. Easier said than done, but uh, right. they got to promote these guys. Uh, let's see. So, some of the other teams I expect to be buyers. Uh, obviously, okay. we covered the AL East. The AL Central, I would expect that, that Minnesota is going to be a buyer. I'd expect Cleveland will be a buyer because, let's face it, the AL Central is completely up for drafts at this point. Dumpster uh, fire. Dumpster fire, yep. Uh, you know, I, I, I even I, – I was going to say on Lou's show earlier today that I think yeah. Detroit, even despite being uh, 40 and 50 and they're five yeah. games out, I think they still have a shot to win the Central. They do. Detroit's yeah, all they do. I still think – so pathetic. I know, guys. Hear me out, though, for a second. I, I'm going to build on your point – Steve, I know I mentioned it yesterday, but uh, they also have Colt Keith as a really good second baseman, third baseman prospect, big bat coming in, like an uh, like a Evan Longoria. Detroit, they're about to call him up. And then remember, Riley right. Green, their he best young player. Their, their best young player is center fielder Riley Green. has been out most of the year. Detroit's about to add a couple big bats. I know, whatever, it's Detroit. They, yeah, they could, steal that, they could steal that division. Does anybody really care to win that shit of a division? It's like no one wants to. Yeah. Exactly They're like, oh, no, we'll hit, the snooze. They're like, we'll hit the snooze alarm. We're not ready to wake up yet. Yeah, no one's really in a rush to uh, win that pennant. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's so weird that, you know. Cleveland's the best roster they, pitching because pitching and defense. I mean, Cleveland is, like, underwhelming, but they have yeah. that blueprint. They always have young guys. They always have Quan and Naylor and, of course, uh, Handman Ramirez. They got they got guys that run and play defense and get on base. They're kind of like raised light. Like yeah. the Indians are always in the mix, and the Indians obviously like the Rays. They always have good young arms. They have no payroll. Cle- so the Indians are always yeah. Cleveland's going to miss. Uh, Cleveland's going to miss Bieber like, though. Bieber Bieber is uh, is on Bieber, yeah. uh, the Indians. Oh yeah, list Justin Bieber third cut. Justin Belieber, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Shane, yeah uh, Shane Bieber is now on the injured list and. No more uh, who knows how long he's going to be on there. So, 
They're, well, they're also adding their lefty, a really, a really good young pitcher, uh, Tristan McKenzie. He hasn't played much this year. He's a potential ace. But Cleveland's always got arms. So they're always going to kind of be hanging around. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, I think Chicago will probably sell, even though they're eight games out. I, yeah, sell You know, talk about a team Cubs that White looks Sox. so good. It's kind of like San Diego. It's kind of like San Diego. Completely. A team that Completely. looks so good on paper. 100%. For a team, yep. yeah, for a team that looks so good on paper, and now all of a sudden, they've been reduced to what we've seen this year: thirty-nine yeah, and fifty-five. They've, they've been reduced yeah. to ashes, and they're like they are the definitely like a two K, you know, primo lineup. Hey, look at Robert uh, Jimenez. Neither one of those guys can stay healthy. I mean, Lewis Robert got hurt in the Homer Derby. That guy's a world of talent. Uh, Jimenez, six-six, switch hitter. I mean, massive talent. He's never put it together. He's never stayed healthy for more than a month at a time. Those are two, you know, three right. and four hitters. And then a guy like Lance Lynn completely bottoms out. He, you know, Giolito, these guys can give up nine, ten runs in, in two innings. There's no consistency. Uh, Tim yeah. Anderson, I think, just hit his first home run. Tim Anderson. I mean, they, they, talk about collective. Yeah, it, that's San Diego um, Midwest. Yeah, they're the same blueprint. It, exactly completely collectively underachieving. I mean, it's astonishing, given the talent level. I mean, White Sox have a great lineup. Ben Attendee, um, I can name more and more. The White Sox have players. They just they just right. don't win close games. Ben Attendee could and be again, a player. I think, it's, I, I think it's that Machado style almost. Uh, Luis Robert apparently is really cocky. Um, Moncada from the Red Sox. Yeah. He's apparently so. not a good teammate. He's partying until 7 a.m. every day and then showing up drunk trying to play. I mean, Mankata's a wreck. Um, Jimenez cannot stay healthy. Like, they have so much talent, they just cannot put anything together. I would sell – You know, Benintendi. I'd build the farm. I would erase – I would erase that style of player they've acquired lately. Do you know what I'm saying? I would literally build – rebuild for the next four years from the White Sox. I mean, it's not working in in Chicago. They have so much talent. Benintendi could be a player – Benintendi could oh, yeah. be a player no, that's on the move. Great asset, yeah. Yeah, he's finally hitting leadoff. I mean, I thought La Russa was the problem, but, I mean, the White Sox just have terrible attitudes. There's something Fine. in the water in, uh, in Chi-Town. Yeah. Now, going over to the, going over to the West, uh, obviously Texas is going to be buyers, too, that, that uh, Houston, yep. uh, you know, they're two and a half games back, but they're also in the wild card right now. I would expect that Houston – will be buyers. Seattle, I don't know. They're 50-50 right now. I don't know if Seattle will necessarily be buyers or sellers. I think they're buyers. Uh, They have, I mean, George Kirby, um, Castillo, uh, Logan Gilbert. They have serious arms. Seattle still can't score runs. I mean, it's nothing new. But uh, also part of their stadium. But they're different. And their pitching is top. Their pitching and defense is top ranked. You know, they're, they're, those, those are the guys that are always in, like, the 3-2 games, the 2-1 games. Mariners just cannot score enough runs. That's been their problem for five years since Griffey and Martinez and those guys. But I love their young staff. I, I think the Mariners are a legit, you know, a solid playoff team. Oh, by the way, uh, going back to Chicago for a second, look out for Lance Lynn potentially being oh, a God. trade candidate, too. Yeah, the buffet table. Trade him for a buffet. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito. Matter of fact, I heard the Sox. I heard the Sox called on Giolito. So no way. 
that might be yeah, that, some, be that might though. be something to potentially look at. Yeah, he's been hitting the buffet with Lynn. I mean, they both put on about you know freshman forty, but whatever. That's besides yeah. the point. Uh, they've also called no, on they, Joe I mean, Kelly too. Yeah, Joe Kelly. He of the uh, Dodgers lore, sure. Yeah. Well, and Boston, Chicago, they got a pretty... known, known for known for beating the shit out of uh, out of uh, what's his face. Uh, the second baseman Ooh. at one point for the Yankees a couple of years ago. I love it. Uh, I love who it. Who tried to puff <laughs> out his chest. Tried to puff out okay. his chest, go charging at Kelly, and then Kelly immediately throws like four bombs on him uh, right as he hits the ground. Yeah. Kelly's yeah. a legend. He is a good player, dude. He's pitching a lot better. He was injured for a while. But, yeah, White Sox have some, some assets. It's just, that team just does not know how to win. Yeah, you're right, man. It's Padres in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. And Oakland, obviously, Oakland is going to be sellers. Uh, matter of fact, you know the fans <laughs> want them to want want the team to be sold. So, uh, eternal sellers, eternally sellers. Yeah, they just wake up. Yeah, every day of their life, they just wake up going, "I'm a seller. I'm a seller." <laughs> That's just all they do. Matter of fact, uh, let me double check. Is there one player on that team? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, a former guy that Boston that Boston had traded. I don't think he's over there. No, I think he's with Houston. Uh, who am I thinking of? We talk um, about not Monson. We talk about. Uh, I know who you talk about older utility guy. Plays around everywhere. Yeah, he's a player. He's like uh, thirty. On one second. He's like thirty or he's like thirty or thirty-one. Mauricio uh, like Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon. He's playing well now for Houston. He's playing really well for Houston right now, like B plus A minus. He's playing better than Pena. Yeah, I I, I know I know that Houston. I know that he was listed he was listed yeah. as a potential as a potential candidate uh for Boston nice to, to potentially target. Nice player. And they might have an overlap with um Pena short too, so that might be a doable piece, a gettable a get. Yeah. Probably give up right. one of those prospects. But Dubon's maybe – I mean, dude, let's love him or hate him. Houston, Houston knows how to develop and, and uh, draft players. Uh, Dubon's legit. He's another legit Houston bat. Yeah. I mean, they know how to play. They know how to draft. They know, they know how to target play. Like, if you're, if you're playing, you know, first part of the order in Houston as a rookie or a second-year guy. Going over to the NL East, uh, Atlanta, obviously – They'll be they'll be uh, they'll be buyers. Miami and Philly, I can see as buyers, especially now that Philly is back in the race for the wild card. Uh, yep. Especially now with Miami, the type of season they're having, I would be shocked if they didn't buy. Uh, they're wild they're currently Miami's in the wild card standings. But let's let's keep in mind, like calling the statement obvious. I mean, they're always totally strapped. Miami does not spend money. I don't know how much buying they're going to be willing to do. Very good young team, though. As good a staff as anyone. All young arms. Miami's, Miami's a completely dangerous team. They could, they could win it all, possibly. Potentially. And, you they're know, dangerous. Philly, I can't really consider Philly out of it, considering the fact that they're only one game back of the wild well, card. What do you guys think of the them? Mets? Uh, Philly? Just like Philly? Eh, slow. Power yeah, hitting. I, I mean, not good. Not good. Defense. I don't know if I see them. I don't think. I don't know if I see them making making 
the World Series again, though. No. No. I mean, they're. I mean, look, look. Let's do the math. I mean, they have an awesome lineup offensively. I just don't know about the defense uh, pitching yeah. dynamic. Fun team, though. Plenty of power. I yeah. mean, they got they got Matt Strom, I believe, as one of their starters. Well, oh wait, no, never Wheeler. mind. He's in the bullpen. No, he's in they the bullpen. Wheeler, uh, Nolan, um, Nolan, Nolan Wheeler. I mean, they have. I'd say like B minus on a on a good day for them as far as their starters. Yeah, they back. got Nola Wheeler, Walker. He's the staff. Yeah, Walker's pitching great. X Met another just like Wheeler. Uh, they have Suarez, but I don't know. I don't know if Suarez is uh, is back on the main he roster he or if he's still injured. Still, they have Suarez back, Philly, and then they also uh, added Christopher Sanchez, who they got in the, one of the Devil Rays trades. Um, this guy is apparently pretty good. He like just came up with Dominican, so Sanchez is back. Right. Yeah, I mean Philly staff. You know, it's not going to. Uh, you know, no one's going to fall in love with the staff. That's that's the issue with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no. I I mean, problem is they they have the talent. I just I don't yes. see them making that same run that they did last year. No, I don't no, know if they have that like they did. Cap. That was a pretty like tangible, like a like a magical, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like very random. I don't know if you can achieve that again yeah. or expect that again no, as a Phillies fan. No. That's, that's once once in a yeah once in a lifetime like like the song goes. Right. Same as it ever was. Same uh, as it ever was. Over, same as it ever was. Over to it's like me talking too much. Over to the, the same uh, as it ever was. In the NL Central, really the only two buyers I can see are Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Milwaukee they're... also getting back. Uh, Milwaukee also getting back Brandon Woodruff, uh, multiple All Star. Burns has been kind right. of subpar for them. By his standards, by our standards, if, if you're a, you know, Yankees or Mets or, or Red Sox fan, you'd love Burns, but he's been down this year. But I mean, they have two aces. When Woodruff comes back, if Burns pitches the way he should, I've never been in love with um, Milwaukee's lineup. I mean, that's kind of a paltry lineup. They have Yellick and what Adams from the Rays, a couple other bats, but nothing to write home about. I mean, the Brewers just—I don't think they have enough offense to really be a, a deep threat. You know what's so weird, and I mean, granted, granted. Keep in mind, this is a video game I'm talking about here. But I know, Alex. I know yeah. you've been, you, uh, you know, you've been talking about getting MLB the show. When yeah, you get onto yeah, the, when you get onto the game, and you look at the Cincinnati Reds roster, you take yeah, a look yeah. at their overalls, and they have the overalls basically of a AAA lineup, and it makes you wonder. How the fuck are they on top of the NL Central? When I can talk, yeah. I can talk about the Reds real quick. I mean, so I went to school. I know how how was in small school, but you know, point being, not only with uh, LeBron fans. This is back in like near 2000 when I was in school. Back when life was cool. But hey, whatever. Besides the point. But no, back then, the Reds. Literally, a lot of uh, people that I met in college, fraternity, or playing lacrosse, like. There's a lot of Reds fans, just like Ohio State fans, blah, blah, blah. But the Reds, this Reds lineup now with Cruz. So this team, literally, this is the first team I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys can, can disagree here. If you, if you do the math after this call, like, this is the first team they've yeah. literally brought up four or five shortstops in a row. 
India was a shortstop. Matt McClain, shortstop. Dela Cruz, shortstop. They have Nuevo Marte, who they got in the trade for Luis Castillo, Mariners. He's still in the minor leagues. The Reds literally have five or six of the best young hitters all coming in the lineup. Plus Spencer Steer. I mean, the Reds have, dude, out of nowhere, that's a limited payroll. They don't go out and find big people. No. Right. They're crushing those. I mean, the last big, and interna- international the last they're domi- big, They're like race style. They're, they're dominated right now. I mean, what, their, their last big contract was what? Uh, Aronis Chapman? Jay Bruce, Araldis Chapman, Griffey, Dunn. I've always, I've always just, I've appreciated them through the years. Votto, maybe? Good friends. A couple of my good friends are like Joey Burrow, you know, mixing, you know, Reds, you know, Reds, Ohio fans. So, I always, I always watch the Reds here and there. I, I think they're a fun team to watch. But remember, they were big with when they kind of started hitting that that wall of old age and ineptitude. And, yeah, Father Time's undefeated, right? But no, when they were yes, right. when they were kind of coming down off the top, of the the highest they had uh, you know achieved since like the actual Big Red Machine, which could be the best lineup of all time. That's a that's a debate. But um, oh, yeah. the Reds were the last time the Reds were almost relevant was when Griffey was just basically an old, you know, a shadow of what he used to be. And then Adam Dunn was six seven, three hundred pounds, you know, loafing around. Jay Bruce. I mean, the Reds. Now the Reds are really exciting. They probably I, I think they have the best young team, best young lineup. They need a little bit more pitches. But I mean, they could. Well, they they've definitely the they've definitely got momentum. They got such a good lineup, dude. They play thirteen or fourteen guys too. They go raise, they platoon a lot. They have like four or five good bench pieces. So it's amazing to see. Right. I mean, they were gutter for four or five years. They were they were in the alley. They came out of nowhere, dude. Some of these, I mean, these guys they're bringing up are studs. Kudos to the uh, scouts. Here's what gets me though. Here's what gets me. They're on top of the division, and they're a minus yeah, division when it comes to run differential. Exactly. Yeah, and Central, look at look at the theme, ALNL. Central, kind of like the weakest, you know. Yeah. Tall kid at a uh, midget convention. But, like, they're, they're all, like, it's all mired in mediocrity, like 500 quests. Everyone's kind of just, like, loafing around, winning, losing, winning. But, I mean, the Reds, I think out of those teams with the talent and the young momentum, I think they're definitely the favorite to uh, win that division. Oh, I definitely think so. If it, it, it's going to come down to either them or Milwaukee at this point, St. Louis is dead. No, I just don't. I don't see Chicago or Pittsburgh climbing back in it, and St. Louis is far gone. So, both fun teams too. I really like to make up like blue collar. Like again, no 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 big payroll at all. Pittsburgh, I love a team like that. They're fun to root for, but yeah, they're not they're not going to make it this year. Yeah, St. Louis is dead, and then I think, like you said, I mean, Chicago, I think they're a year or two away. They're starting to get some good results from younger players like Justin Steele, but I don't think they're quite ready for the uh, the spotlight of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're probably, for Chicago, you're probably going to see a lot of people uh, get moved out in particular. Uh, some of the names, some of the names I've heard, for example, like, uh, for example, Cody Bellinger, I've heard get brought yeah. up. I've heard Mark, yeah, he, La- Mark yeah. Leiter Jr. has been brought up as a potential, uh, as a potential candidate. Uh, sure. there's, you know, uh, Marcus Stroman could potentially get moved. He's been, he's been one of the best arms this year. I, 
total head case. I don't like him at all. He's kind of pissed me off when yeah. he's on the Mets. But, what, but, I mean, yeah, he's a hot commodity. You know, there's a quite Boston a few getting, people that could potentially get moved off of that list. Stroman's valuable there because you have a ground ball pitcher, playoffs, a team like Boston, even, even a team like Tampa. If you think about them, I mean, they right. have to spend money, but they'll bite the bullet sometimes and do what they have to do. You know, they're, they're a little cheap, but they're not stupid. So if they think it's, you know, uh, cost-effective, if it's going to make them better and not crush them financially, the Rays could be a team that would go out and get Stroman because they've lost um, McClanahan for a little bit, Shane Baz. I mean, dude, these guys are coming in and off the Tommy Johns. They're all like 20-game winners, potentially. <laughs> the Rays yeah. sounds like a different plan. I haven't figured out the Rays front office. I think everyone in the world is trying to figure them out. <laughs> They're just insane. They just wake up with like five new arms every day. Yeah, well, you know, whatever you do, don't go out, don't go out there and start cherry picking off of them, thinking that they're that you're all of a sudden going to yeah. uh, going to revive your franchise. Because, uh, I mean, the Red Sox are a perfect example. There, they get Heim yeah. Bloom thinking, oh, he's the best baseball mind ever, and uh, now you see where the Red Sox are right now. So, it's yeah. down to the owner. Henry's been an absolute uh, mockery, a shameful human being when it comes to representing a proud uh, area of the world when it comes to sports and tradition and loyalty and, and huge sports, you know, mecca. And this guy's acting like he's a, you know, a little Nintendo toy. I mean, he's giving them no respect. Yeah, they, the Sox, Sox could add two or three more rings. I'll always maintain that. Yeah. And now rounding out our trade deadline coverage here, uh, NL West, mm-hmm. honestly, it's probably going to be the Dodgers, Arizona, and San Francisco that you may see as buying. San Diego, more uh, more likely than not, will probably sell. And Colorado, if they even have any pieces, like maybe Daniel Bard or something, uh, they'll probably they'll probably sell anyways. But uh, yeah. regardless of that. You know, I th- I think pretty much where we're looking at the divisions right now, I think these are pretty much the the site that we can probably that we can probably expect to look at when the playoffs come around. Yeah, it's gonna be you the know, way it's, it's gonna be it's the way it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean that's honestly what it looks like to me at least. But it's shaping up. It's uh, taking shape. It's kind of like. It, it's showing you what it's yeah. about to be set up. Yeah. Now, looking over to the MLB draft, we go – because obviously, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, how smart general managers might be or whatnot. And just looking at the draft this year, where I'm only going to go through the uh, the names in the first round. Uh, yeah. You know, picks one and two – Picks one and two were not really surprising. Pittsburgh taking the next Steven Strasburg and Paul Skennis from LSU. Not really a shock. I think if Skennis can stay healthy, he, he's probably going to be the next Steven Strasburg. And my, as my long as he can stay healthy. Year, yeah. Maybe next year, kind of pushing it. But, I mean, within two years, he could be immediate impact. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I think I think it's possible. Consider it, it. It helps that he went to college next year. It helps that he's not yep. that he's not a high school arm and he's coming out of college. Oh, he's ready. So he's ready. He needs reps. Yeah, he needs professional reps. But I yeah. mean, physically, mentally, he's ready. 
He just came off the world stage in this. You think LSU champion? You think he's scared? I mean, next year, Pirates have tantalizing talent. That'd be fun. I, I hope he, yeah. I hope Keynes comes up by next year. Bring him up next year. Let him be the new, you know, Garrett Cole Glass now. You know, hmm. Pirates need to go. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Cruz. Uh, the only surprise here is that he didn't go number one because uh, it, they were basically yeah, flip flopping the entire week. What, well, they were flip flopping the entire week. You know, would it be Skennis or would it be or would it be right. Cruz? That would go number one. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense that the Nationals, if they didn't get Dennis, they would then take Cruz. I mean, he's basically, he could be their next Bryce Harper, essentially. Yeah. Pirates could have used him too, but, I mean, they have Reynolds. They have a couple other uh, bats. Yeah. I heard Cruz could be another transcendent player. Tigers taking Max Clark is kind of a surprise because I I would have thought that they would have gone with Wyatt yeah. Langford out of Florida, who ended up going yeah. to Texas with the next pick. Uh, a lot of people had Langford as potentially the number one overall pick in the draft. So that, yeah. it comes as a bit of a surprise that, you know, this kind of makes me think that Detroit is going to go for an even longer rebuild than people think. Yeah. Because the fact that they're taking a kid out of high school basically just shows, you know, that he has more, you know, that he has more development through essentially. Yeah. Because if you're if you're picking a high school with their limited cap, I would just I would just Steve I'd quickly say on Detroit though from my perspective I mean they have Keith they have um Colt Keith coming up the the middle infield I was I was talking about before and then they also have Riley Green they're probably taking best player available because I mean Detroit needs a lot of help they're just like all right if he's a few years away they're not winning anything in the next two years so but they get surprising people in two or three years. Well, in my opinion, though, the best player available would have been Wyatt Langford, not Max Clark. Interesting. At that What's Clark? What position? Uh, Clark, Clark was an outfielder. He was taken with the number three overall pick. He was the Gatorade National Player of the Year this year. Wow. Um, but Langford was a yeah. clear number one in many recent MLB draft uh, in many recent MLB mock drafts. Uh, he was obviously overshadowed by the LSU combo of, of Cruz and Skennis, but he hit 373 this year with 21 homers for Florida. Wow. Legit. Yeah. So it's kind of surprising. And plus he had a strong performance with Team USA last summer too. So it's kind right. of surprising that that he didn't go in the top three. To me, at least. Yeah. But uh, right. number five, Minnesota took Walter Jenkins, an outfielder from South Brunswick, uh, North Carolina High School. Uh, that kind of makes sense. You know, they're, they're kind of yeah, set with the outfield right now, so they don't really – you know, they don't really need anybody right away to come up. So, 
that kind of makes sense, but he is actually the consensus top high school player in the draft, apparently. Jenkins is. And he was taken that he fell to number five. So I, I, it kind of says something that even Detroit passed on him when yet, you know, it's the same exact position, but Jenkins was considered the consensus top high school player in this draft. Yeah. I mean, lots of like big, big pedigree. Yeah. Uh, Oakland, they took the son of former Pirates shortstop Jack Wilson in Jacob Wilson, who was a shortstop out of Grand Canyon. And actually, his father was his coach in high school. Yeah, former Major League player. So, yeah, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, exactly, for a former Major League player uh, for, the, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, uh Oakland, I mean, they need a shit ton of people, let's be honest. So, yeah. I mean, the most the most popular position, especially out of high school, is shortstop. Because normally with high school shortstops, you can turn high school shortstops into basically any position in the majors. So, the Cincinnati Reds have called up four shortstops. Playing all over the field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, that's that's the point right there. You know, you can Most turn players. a high school shortstop, and you can you can turn a high school shortstop into basically any position you want to. Yeah, the, hot, yeah, the hottest okay. position, you know, the most versatile, the best position to learn. It can be applied to anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, they took Rhett Louder, a right-handed pitcher out of Wake yep. Forest. Uh, Kansas City, they took Blake Mitchell, a catcher from Simpson, Texas High School. Now, this is kind of a surprise considering he isn't the top catcher in the draft. That went to the Boston Red Sox uh, when they took uh, Kyle Teal with the 14th overall pick out of Virginia. Uh, Kyle Teal was actually ranked in the top seven of this year's draft. Yeah. And yet somehow he fell all the way to 14. Hmm. Wow. So this is basically like when the Red Sox, when, when Meyer fell to the Red Sox a couple of years ago to number four. When Meyer in that draft was considered yeah. to be the best overall prospect. And he fell right into Boston's hands that year. And it's kind of the same thing here, but uh, Peel isn't considered to be the best overall prospect, but he is considered to be the best catching prospect. Uh, and honestly, him working with Jason Baratek, he may be on the fast yeah. track for uh, considering that Boston desperately needs catching help. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What was that, Alex? No, see, that's a good shooter to have. Uh, Veritek can uh, show him the ropes. That's a great coach to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Especially with Veritek potentially uh, becoming a head coach in, uh, in the future, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Colorado Rockies, they took Chase Dollander, a right-handed pitcher out of Tennessee. Uh, 
he entered this season, believe it or not, as the top pitching prospect in this draft before he got passed by Skennett. So he was considered at one point to be the top pitching prospect, and yet he fell to number nine. Uh, Miami, Miami, they took Noble Meyer, a right-handed pitcher out of Jesuit uh, Oregon High School. Uh, He's the clear top prep pitching prospect in the draft. So... Uh, no brainer there for Miami as they want to. They want to get a. They want to get as many arms as they can. Yeah, Marlins always yeah. Just have a dispensary of arms. They always have arms. Yeah. Uh, the Angels they got Nolan Shanewell from Florida Atlantic, the first baseman. Uh, honestly, that just that just goes to show that that the Angels. You know, they're. I, I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they think that they can transition him over to third too, uh, to be a replacement for Anthony Rendon uh, once that monstrous contract is over. Uh, Arizona. Arizona takes Tommy Troy, a third baseman out of Stanford, who quickly rose up draft boards after he had a strong summer last year where he was named the best pro prospect in the Cape Cod League. And he had an uptick in power this year at Stanford, belting 17 home runs, which matched his total from the two previous seasons with Stanford combined. Uh, So almost as if he took steroids or something uh, heading into his junior year. uh, uh, His neighbor was uh, Sammy Sosa, so they became close friends. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the only thing he's missing is the court to bat. <laughs> uh, the Chicago Cubs, speaking of Sammy Sosa, uh, the Chicago Cubs, yes. they took Matt Shaw out of Maryland, which I know right. a lot of Red Sox fans were pissed about this because a lot of people looked, looked at the Red Sox as potentially taking Matt Shaw, who was a local wow. boy uh, who just Ooh. happened to play at Maryland. First round? Second round? First round? First round. Oh, wow. One pick so, before did Boston. Did the Sox pass him up or the Sox got beaten to it? No, they got no, they got beat by one pick. Oh, oh man. man, that's a yeah. That sucks, man. I'm sorry yeah, to hear Chicago, that. Yeah, Chicago took him and a lot of Red Sox fans thought that it was probably gonna be Matt Shaw, uh, if the if he fell to Boston, but Pleasantly surprised yeah, that Kyle Teal. Yeah, they were pl- no, pleasantly I mean, surprised though that Kyle Teal fell to Boston. So, you guys nailed that aspect of the draft. I mean, you, you know, let's be realistic, right? You're never going to get the guy you always oh that the top player. Very hard for luck to fall your way on draft night. There's so many different moving parts and you know musical chairs. There's a lot of uncertainty. So at least they got Keel. I mean, Keel's a really good pick. Right. Right. Yeah. And actually, uh, it says here that he projects as a high probability major leaguer. So, yeah. um, and with and with Connor with Connor Wong possessing more mm-hmm. of a skill set of a backup catcher, that probably uh, if his defense can develop, uh, his hitting ability will allow him to move quickly through the Red Sox system. 
so plus he has a plus throwing arm as well, a.k.a. don't run on teal. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, they took Jacob Gonzalez, a shortstop out of Ole Miss. Uh, he won National Freshman of the Year honors back in 2021. Uh, on an Ole Miss team that made a surprising run to its first College World Series, ugh, College World Series title back yeah. then. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, they took a, they took our first two-way prospect of the of this uh, class, uh, Bryce Eldridge, a first baseman and right-handed pitcher out of James Madison High School in Virginia. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he wants to play both positions uh, in, in, the, uh, in the pros. Yeah, he's got designs on that, and it's going to be interesting. Right now they've given them the green light, so all systems are a go. I mean, they're going to let him try it out. Uh, however, it does say, though, that his draft stock is slightly higher as a hitter as opposed to on the mound. So, but if they are yeah. going to give him the green light, then maybe he can develop into a uh, successful two-way play. You know, I think I think it's a possibility yeah. we could see more two-way players in the future. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing. That's massive. Uh, uh, for one for the league. No, I mean, he was saying more two-way players. I think that would be a great blessing for the league. Otani's done it seamlessly. Uh, there's yeah. more guys. That, a lot of these guys pitched or doing everything when they grew up. There's a lot more versatility than the league expects. Yes. And and to what you were asking, Lou, I do think it's possible that we could see more pop up in the future because it's starting to become too. it's starting to become more of a thing now. Like, uh, I mean, hell, there was. Uh, I hate to go back to to video games, but there was one there was one year yes. where MLB the show where MLB the show focused on like if you wanted to create a uh, if you wanted to create your own player, they focused on having you be a two way player. So yeah. uh, you know it's uh, what they're doing is they're basically putting it into young baseball players minds you know coming coming yeah. coming up through high school and whatnot that you know yeah. there does exist the potential to be a two-way player yeah yeah uh the baltimore orioles they took uh enrique bradfield jr a center fielder out of vanderbilt uh, quite possibly the most electric player in this draft class. He stole 130 bases over over his three seasons at Vanderbilt. And basically he has everything, but they say that his power will be the biggest question mark as a pro. But he has everything. He has defense. He has defense. He has elite speed. He has contact. Yeah. The only problem will be his power. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But this could this could be a pretty juggernaut pick for Baltimore if he can if his power comes around uh, as he turns pro. This could be yeah. another juggernaut type of pick for Baltimore, who are, who is already fielding a young team as it is. They have uh, Holiday, Matt Holiday's son in the minors, 18 years old. 
number one hitting prospect. He's yep. waiting in the wings. They just called up Colton Callister, center fielder, top 15 prospect, and they also just added uh, Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore's made some big moves, dude. They have a really nice minor system coming up. Plus, plus, plus they got Hest, they have Heston Kierstad down there, too, in yeah. AAA. Uh, Great expected part. to take the next step any day now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention, they have their young catcher, Adley Rutschman, as well. So, number one. Yeah. I mean, you're talking Gunnar Henderson and then Holiday. This guy's apparently supposed to be the next, like, 330 hitter. So, Matt Holiday's son's going to probably be up next year or the year after. They already have three or four really good young players that they're, that they're pulling up right, right now. They're getting really good. Yeah. They need more pitching, but um, uh, of course, they got a really good lineup now. They're getting really young, too. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee, with the 18th pick, they take Brock Wilkin, a third baseman from Wake Forest. Uh, he ended up setting the ACC record for career home runs by bashing 71 home runs during his time at Wake Forest, including 31 this past spring. Uh, looks like he could eventually move to first base, according to ESPN's uh, scouting report here. And let's see, Tampa Bay with the 19th pick, they take Braden Taylor, uh, third baseman from TCU. And it looks like he will probably be at either second or third up in the majors from what they're talking about here. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, they take Arjun Namala, a shortstop from Strawberry Crest High School out of Florida, uh, only 17 years old. So he's probably a long ways away when it comes to uh, development. But, however, it says he has ridiculous tools, and Kylie McDaniel says there's 30 home run potential in this kid. And there's the possibility that he could develop into being the best player from this draft, whether as a shortstop or a power-hitting third baseman. However, there is also an enormous risk and a range of outcomes given the concern over his hitting. So, uh, however, though, this kid does have potential, apparently, to be one of the best players, if not the best player from this draft, according to Kylie McDaniel. Wow. Uh, The St. Louis Cardinals, they take Chase Davis, a left fielder and right, or a corner outfielder, basically, a left fielder, right fielder out of Arizona. Uh, Seattle, they take Cole Emerson, a shortstop from Glenn High School in Ohio. Cleveland, they take Ralphie Velasquez, a catcher from Huntington Beach, California. Uh, Atlanta, they go with Hurston Waldrop, a right-handed pitcher from Florida. San Diego, they take Dylan Head, a center fielder from Homewood Flossmoor High School out of Illinois. It uh, sounds like he is an elite runner. So uh, talk about speed on the base caps. That's somebody who is uh, that's somebody who who very well fits the San Diego Padres uh, uh, blueprint out there. 
The New York Yankees, they take George Lombard Jr., a shortstop from Gulliver Prep High School out of Florida. Uh, He's the son of George Lombard Sr., a former big league player who played six seasons in the majors and is currently the bench bench coach for the Tigers. But I didn't think sounds familiar. Uh, sounds like, though, he is not a lock to remain at shortstop, but the scouts love his makeup, and he just turned 18 in June. And basically yeah. what it sounds like here, it sounds like that he is Josh Don- uh, He's probably going to be Josh Donaldson's replacement whenever they decide, whenever he develops uh, perfectly. Because literally when they asked why the Yankees took him, they said, have you seen Josh Donaldson's batting average? Yeah, it's also going to depend when the Yankees finally decide to wheel out the corpse known as Josh Donaldson. Yeah. That guy's been a punchline for Yeah, essentially. The black hole. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies. George is, is rolling in his, in his grave, dude. Time Brenner, you best believe that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Philadelphia Phillies, they took Aiden Miller, a third baseman out of Mitchell High School in Florida. This is another kid that uh, Boston was looking at. But they ultimately, you know, once, like I said, once Kyle Teal fell uh, into their laps, they he was too good to not take. So, uh, but he does draw comparisons to, uh, to, to Donaldson for, to, to Josh Donaldson for both his power swing and his ability to draw walks. Now, we're talking prime Josh Donaldson, not past his prime Josh Donaldson uh, uh, in terms of in terms of comparison. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, an injury – it sounds like an injury to, to his Hamade bone is what caused him to fall all the way to number 27. His um, what bone? Hamade, which I think I think it's a, uh, I think it's in the wrist. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Hamade, wow. the Hamade, it's like uh, it's like the it's like the bone right below your ring finger. <laughs> oh, sure. It's right. the bone. Yeah, it's it's the bone that connects oh, yeah. your ring finger and your pinky. The one I oh, think yeah, about yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Houston, Houston takes Bryce Matthews, a shortstop out of Nebraska, which that's kind of surprising because the, don't they they already have uh, they already have what's his name at shortstop? So unless unless they're gonna switch him around, you already stand it before, bro. You already know the. One of the, the best kept secrets in baseball. They, these guys always they always target shortstops. You can move them anywhere in the field. Yeah, but normally you if be, you target a shortstop, you target them out of yeah. high school. Yeah, exactly. He could be a center fielder or a, a, a yeah. third baseman or a second baseman if he bolts up. I mean, that's the opening channel. That's the best defensive position, I think, to draft. Somebody, I was saying before the Reds, they drafted four guys in a row that have that, that have come up. They've, the Reds have three guys in the running for uh, rookie of the year, yeah. all shortstops. Right. That's what I was saying. So it's like that's I guess that's a new, the hot thing. 
Right. Now, in terms of the other, in terms of the other first-round picks, uh, Seattle had a compensation pick for Julio Rodriguez, winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, Seattle, with the 29th pick, they took Johnny Farmello, a center fielder out of Westfield High School in Virginia. Uh, the competitive balance picks, Seattle then yeah. took Ty Pete, a shortstop out of Trinity Christian High School in Georgia. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they took Adrian Santana, a, a shortstop out of Doral High School in Florida. The New York Mets, uh, they took Colin Houck, a shortstop out of Parkview High School in Georgia, and their pick dropped in 10 spots because they exceeded the competitive balance tax threshold by more than $40 million. Sure. And if you quickly look at um, the list thus far, those are 50% probably shortstops. A lot of the names you're calling, shortstops. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and plus they're coming out of high school, so they could be sh- they could stay at shortstop, yeah. but they could also switch elsewhere. Yeah. So oh, that's, yeah. I mean, look that's at, why I said like, earlier. Uh, always like the, the some you know some of the shrewdest like best. Love, I mean, I know the Rays not the best subject, but I I bring it back to them a lot just because I respect them. Past, I mean, they always start shortstops. Uh, BJ Upton, Carl Crawford, they're both uh, shortstops. That's how they they kind of started that trend. Uh, the Reds with Eric Davis. Eric hey, Davis is a shortstop back in the day, uh, almost after the big Red machine. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of the best players have be, have started as shortstops and then gone to other Gold Glove careers, other positions. Yeah, and you know it's it's like it's like I said before, uh, shortstop out of high school in particular is usually the most popular pick because yeah. literally you can mold them into any type of into any type of player, any type of infielder, maybe switch them out to the outfield. Uh, normally a high school shortstop, they possess usually all the tools to basically play anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and if, you, if you break it down in layman's terms, I mean, shortstop, it's like you're in a box almost. You have to cover ground. The quickness, athleticism, uh, awareness. I mean, it's kind of like a leadership, you know, quarterback style almost position. But the athleticism, the range is huge, and the range and quickness plays anywhere on a diamond. Yeah, like the best defensive and team. Also, they're, they're one of the recently. There's a lot of short an interesting, An interesting note on the New York yeah. Mets, them taking Colin Houck. Colin Houck was originally looked at as a top 15 prospect in this draft. And he fell all the way to 32. Any idea why he dropped? No idea. Does not say. A little strange. I mean, somehow the, uh, he the fell. The slots and stuff, it, it's kind of different than NBA where you just draft people. You have to negotiate before you even hear the guy's draft pick. MLB is a lot different. Exactly. Like you know, it's kind of funny Maybe. you bring that up because it's kind of funny you bring that up because yeah. the, the Red Sox, they took Nate, they took Nazan Sanatello in the second round, and the reason being is that originally Washington was going to take him with the 40th overall pick, the first second round pick, but the Red Sox because uh, the Red Sox offered to pay him over slot, which is not what the Washington Nationals were going to do. Uh, he wow. told his agent go. told Washington. His agent told Washington he would not sign with them if they drafted him. So he ended up falling all the way to number 50 with Boston. 
Boom. I mean, bingo, you nailed it. I mean, agents uh, scare off or representatives scare off uh, prospective uh, draftees or, sorry, drafters. So that Kansas City yeah. team, limited yeah. payroll, it's hot shot, you know, five-star center fielder from Los Angeles. If the Royals draft him, he can go, no, no. <laughs> and unless they absolutely blow it out of the water and, and go above their definitive, uh, whatever, draft threshold, it's so different, the finance and the MLB draft. I'm still learning it, but you know what I'm saying? They, people can just right. opt out. And then, just, oh, you know what? I'm going to go back to Georgia, or I'm going to play for Duke for a year, or UConn, or wherever. Yeah. Like, they can just get drafted. So it's a tricky, like, you have to know someone's very interested in you and joining your franchise before you draft them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm looking at – a lot of the players that the Red Sox drafted, and a lot of them so far have signed for under slot. There you go. And I'm not just talking under. I'm talking significantly under. There you go on steroids. You know, I mean, amplifies. You just proved it right there. I mean, if a a player, a young prospect, is really excited about joining your team, they're going to go under slot. And sometimes the the Pirates have been – the Nationals recently, but the Pirates the last 10 or 12 years, a couple different times. The Tigers have been burned in the draft. I mean, some players will not go to your city. So, I mean, it's a crapshoot. A lot less reliable than the other. Yeah. So, looking at some of the other picks, just rounding out the first round here, uh, Milwaukee, they take Josh Knopf a right-handed pitcher from Patchogue, uh, Medford High School out of New York. Uh, Minnesota, they take Charlie Soto, a right-handed pitcher out of Reborn Christian High School in Florida. Uh, Miami, they take Thomas White, a left-handed pitcher from Phillips Academy High School in Massachusetts. Uh, The Dodgers, they take Kendall George, a center field uh, center fielder from Atashkoshita High School out of Texas, and their first-round pick dropped 10 spots because they exceeded the competitive balance tax threshold by more than 40 mil. Uh, Kevin McGonigal, a shortstop out of Monsignor Bonner High School out of Pennsylvania, went to Detroit at number 37. Cincinnati took Ty Floyd, a right-handed pitcher from LSU at 38. And Oakland rounds out the first round by taking Miles Naylor, a third baseman out of St. Joan of Arc High School out in Canada. And, yes, he is the youngest of the three Naylor brothers uh, with Josh and Bo. Well, of course. Yep. So, and that's – that's basically uh, that's basically the roundup of all of the major league the major league uh, baseball first round of the draft. And you know what? I'm looking right now since we were talking about prospect pools. The Yankees uh, after the draft have the 19th ranked prospect pool in all of major league baseball. I heard. Yeah. Uh, they were previously ranked. They were previously ranked twenty fourth. But now, 
they're at they're at nineteen. Uh, let's see. Going over to oh, you know what? We do have some uh, some NBA coverage. First off, we do have some new rules to talk about. Yes, we do. In the NBA. Uh, two new rule changes were approved that officially begin with this upcoming season. Uh, first off, the league will now award the opposing team a technical free throw when a player is ruled to have flopped in attempt to draw a call. However, yeah. the new flopping penalty does not count toward the two technical fouls that lead to a player's ejection. So, in other words, a player cannot be ejected from a game for flopping. Uh, Harden. It might be a flop. James Harden. Uh, James, James Harden. Yeah, I love the, it. Yes, the James Harden rule, basically. Like you, like Next you part. said, Alex. Oh yeah, good for him. Little stand on the And apparently they've been, all, apparently they've the been Harden. using it during the summer league too. Yeah, the Harden yes. rule. So it does say that it is being implemented on a one-year trial basis for this year. So assuming it goes well, it'll probably be made into a permanent rule next year. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, in the meantime, coaches will receive a second replay challenge if their first challenge is successful. However, a timeout will be charged on the second challenge even if that second challenge is successful. Yeah. So basically we go from one cha- we go from one challenge to two challenges, but only if the yeah. first challenge is successful and if that first challenge is successful, you are not charged with a timeout, but you are charged with a timeout if the second one is successful. Yeah. Well, even if it isn't, you're still charged with a timeout, I think, but uh, overall, you know, I think these rules, I mean, it makes sense, first off, to have two challenges instead of one. I never understood why. Uh, and I still don't understand that with uh, with hockey, why they only have one coach's challenge. They don't want to abuse the opportunity. So they don't want people, to, the coaches, to every, mm-hmm. every chance to get, oh, you know what, let's look at that. They don't want to slow down the game, water down the game. So, but I agree with you. I well, mean, no. I, I, two, two is a good number. One is two, not enough. One's not enough. Two is better. Two challenges, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about you know abusing it when it comes to. But you know, there were multiple games this season, not just with Boston, but there were multiple games this season that could have benefited from having a second challenge for certain teams. Definitely. As there were there were calls there were calls that were allowed because they had already used that first challenge. That's the thing. If, if a coach prematurely uses that, you know, kind of up, fumbles that opportunity away, then in the fourth quarter something really crucial happens, they can't even react. So you really have to they they have to be very guarded about how they can use that. Who's a bit better? Yeah, we've seen it happen in both in both the uh, NHL as well as uh, as well as the NBA. So now, you know, with the NBA uh, instituting this rule, 
you know, I think I think it's I think it's definitely a good thing for uh, for for the NBA to to have put this in. Yeah, and as far as the flopping, as far as the flopping rule goes, I believe also not only will the team get a technical free throw, but whoever gets technical, whatever team gets a technical free throw, they will also get possession after that. Yeah, make it costly. If I remember correctly. The Harden, uh, Harden Kardashian, you know, drama. We don't want that in the league. Spin it up. The Harden rule is in effect. Yeah. So I, I mean, ultimately, I have no problem. I have no problem with these rules whatsoever. Uh, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts, Lou, on on the uh, the flopping, the new flopping rule, as well as the uh, the second coach's challenge? Yeah, that might help out with the games, you because know, you know, how they've been criticized making bad calls and whatnot. So I think this second challenge, I think, is going to help, you know, diminish with the bad calls they're making. Uh, the flopping rule, well, you know, I mean, they've been pulling some stupid tricks, you know, uh, with that. So, uh, you know, the flopping rule, I think, is going to be a good thing. You know, they're trying to be so stupid with it. But then again, it could be a flop. Good boy. <laughs> I mean, but you get you won't know until you actually until you actually uh put it in there until you actually institute it basically right well what what are your thoughts on on it alex uh the flopping rule as well as the uh the coaches the second coach's challenge yeah the second coach's challenge as you know like we said before a couple of times were Early on, because if you get burned, if you if you fail your opportunity, then they don't have another chance. So, I think the two coaching calls that that's a great move by the NBA. I think the flopping rule, yeah, hard. And I used to hate. I, I don't I don't like when people are going hard to the hoop and then one or two, like yeah. certain guys just they're like lazy and not even get their their feet set, just like you know floundering around on defense. Then they'll flop. So yeah, I think the flop rule should be penalized. So I really like the hard rule. I gotta keep calling them that. We're making that a huge thing, the Harden rule. You know, it should it should be called the Harden rule, but because but because that'd be so he's, embarrassing uh, because well, he's still, be so, he, that'd be awesome. That'd be so embarrassing for Harden. Oh, I love it. Yeah, but but because he's in the league, because he's still in the league, I guess it, it you know it maybe it'll become the Harden rule after after he retires. Kardashian rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll call it Harden rule later. All right, so we go from rule changes now into the new NBA in-season tournament for the right to hoist the NBA Cup, as they call it. So, in particular, here's how it will how it will go: the intern the in-season tournament will tip off on Friday, November third, culminate with the championship on Saturday, December 9th. The semifinals. And the championship will all will both take place at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. The semifinals will be on the seventh of December. Uh, the in-season tournament will consist of two stages: group play and the knockout rounds. So, the way group play goes is all 30 teams have been randomly drawn into groups of five within their conference based off of win-loss records from the 2022-2023 regular season. 
Beginning November 3rd and continuing through Tuesday, November 28th, each team will play four designated group play games on tournament nights, as they call them. One game against each opponent in its group with two games at home and two on the road. Then Then eight teams will advance to the knockout round. The team with the best standing in group play games in each of the six groups and also two wild cards, which will be the team from each conference with the best record in group play games that finished second in their group. The knockout rounds will be single elimination games in the quarterfinals, which will be played in NBA team markets on Monday the 4th and Tuesday the 5th, uh, the semifinals and the championship. The qualifying teams will compete for a prize pool and the new in-season tournament trophy, the NBA Cup. All 67 games across both stages of the in-season tournament will count toward the regular season standings, except the championship game. Each team will continue to play 82 regular season games in in the season, including those games that are part of group play and the knockout rounds. So yeah. the groups the groups are as follows. In the West, for Group A, you have the Memphis Grizzlies, the Phoenix Suns, the LA Lakers, the Utah Jazz, and the Portland Trailblazers. For for Group B, you have the Denver Nuggets, the LA Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans the Dallas Mavericks, and the Houston Rockets. And in Group C, you have the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the San Antonio Spurs. Now for the Eastern Conference, Group A, you have the Philadelphia 76ers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana Pacers, and the Detroit Pistons. For Group B, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, the Washington Wizards, and the Charlotte Hornets. And for Group C, you have the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, and the Orlando Magic. So basically how they did these is before the drawing, each team was placed into a pot based on its record from the prior regular season. In each conference, one team from each pot was randomly selected into each of the three groups in that conference. So, for example, pot number one, you had the teams with the three best prior season records in the conference. So, for example, the East, it would be Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. In the West, it would be Memphis, Denver, and Sacramento. In pot number two, you had the teams with the fourth, uh, with the fourth through sixth best regular season records. In pot number three, you had the teams with the, with the seventh through ninth best regular season records, and so on and so forth. Pot four, ten through twelve, and pot thirteen yeah. or pot five, thirteen through fifteen. So, and, and basically, you know, it expands yeah, yeah. further out here. But it sounds to me like this is all 
basically basketball's version of the FIFA World Cup. Yeah. I don't I don't like it one bit actually cuz there's no meaning to it, there's no significance. So it's a it's a cash grab. Yeah, I mean, it it looks really ridiculous. You don't stop mid-season for what what is this? What does this mean? What what does that mean if you win that? Besides the money. That's okay. all it is. Yeah, I believe the winning the winning club uh each player gets an extra five hundred thousand dollars, I think, for the winners. Yeah. Uh, for the runner-ups, I think it's like four thousand, or I think it's four hundred thousand or three hundred thousand per player. And it goes, it go, it just goes down by the by. The, I think they award the top. Is it the top three or the top five teams? I forget, but uh, I think it's the top three teams. But regardless, you know, I'm kind of in agreement. I don't really understand. I mean, yeah, granted, they do, the the games do count towards the regular season record. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let me put it this way. They better not be having an all-star game throughout this whole thing. They better not be That'd doing, be- like, some sort of all-star game as well. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a And that's, that's the danger. I mean, what is this going to represent? What if someone blows out their knee or hurts their back or their neck or blows their ankle out? You know, Steph Curry or uh, whoever, Jimmy Butler. There's I mean, a whole lot of, I guess you know, this is their way. Yeah. I guess this is their way of changing the regular formula that they've done, you know, where they have, uh, you know, you know how you have uh, divisional player or divisional teams face off against each other a certain amount of times every year. Yeah. I guess this is their way. This is their way of kind of mixing things up, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. So they decided yeah. to make a tournament out of it. It's gonna be ridiculous, I think. There's no way. I mean, these coaches want to play their best players. Mm-hmm. Jokic. I what assume if they probably will. What if Joker gets injured? Uh, yeah, that, that's a catastrophe. Yeah. Like ridiculous. Yeah. I, this is a laughable idea, isn't it? To play like a in-game, in-season tournament. <laughs> Sorry, it's not uh, the same. You know, footy out. You know, over the pond. The soccer. You know, is different. I think I like the original. I yeah. like that that format, but I don't think it's going to work in uh, NBA standards. Probably not. What are your What are your thoughts on this, Lou? I think it's a stupid idea. You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. You know, playing a a tournament style in in the regular season. So what are you going to do next? Have a mid season World Series, a mid season Super Bowl? I mean, it's going to take you to a bowl. All the meaning of of a championship game. So do you really? So do you really need this? No. You know what would you be know, very interesting? Be- what would be very enticing is if there was yeah. draft compensation attached to it. You know, I think it just might be extra. You know, you know, first round pick for the the two finalists get an extra first round pick. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Right, or not just that, but not just that, but not not to not only do they get an extra first round pick, but if they get a 
like if their pick is included, like say you get included in the lottery draw or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, the, I think if you add a little bit of uh, vinegar, a little bit of spice there, it make the uh, pot a little sweeter for someone to actually chase. Uh, NBA front offices, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, if, you draft, if you're chasing draft capital where you can get a draft pick, then it's, that, that makes it look more legit. I mean, right now it's a yeah. game one tour. You know, you just see the, the professor, Mac McLung, you know. I'm not, like, walking for an M1 tour, like, mid-season tournament. Right now it's, you know. Oh, better, yeah, uh, I'll, 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 throw, I'll throw in, I'll throw, I'll throw one in, I'll, I'll throw one on top. Not only will you get okay. an extra first-round pick, you'll get an extra second-round pick, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes it worth it. So basically, you would you would have basically two seasons worth of of uh, of, of picks in one draft. Yeah, I mean by that, winning this that tournament, up that ups the ante. Yeah, because right now I don't even, I, I wouldn't even know if Bolster you think he doesn't want to play uh, Bam or Jimmy Butler in a in season tournament. What if someone gets injured? <laughs> yeah, right. They just might not even play the best players. It might be a total flop. Weird idea. I mean, you've got to make this worthwhile. Unless they're going to do something like, unless they're going to do something like, oh, uh, we'll turn this basically into another version of the summer league, where <laughs> you can have, where you can have, uh, you know, your players that may not get necessarily a lot of playing time uh, yeah. during the regular year, and have them play. Like, say for example. Uh, the Boston Celtics. Like, oh, uh, you know, you have you have a you have a player like Sam Hauser, uh, who sees sporadic playing time while on the main roster. Okay, you know, you can use this tournament to. I, I mean, let's let's keep in mind every team also has. Uh, a G League affiliate. So you can call up some players from the G League. You can put them in this tournament uh, in this tournament lineup while also putting in, like, say for Boston, you could have your two-way players in J.D. Davison and Jay Scrub, who they just signed today. You could, you could yep. put in Peyton Pritchard. You could put in Luke Cornett. You could put in uh, Jordan Walsh. Uh, Justin Champagne, Ashe Brissett, you know, you could put in those players that probably could benefit from seeing more playing time into this tournament. And you could do that basically with every team. And that way, that way it saves you from potentially losing a big star like a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown or, you know, a Kristaps Porzingis or, you know, so on and so forth. It would be better if this in-season tournament was like a prospect tournament. Yeah. I mean, right down, there's no line to stand, though. There's no official title on how people should approach it oh. though. So I don't even know. I mean, I, if I'm, if I'm a coach, I'm not starting the best players in this thing. I'm, I'm protecting my players. I'm sitting them out. 
I'm doing the load management like uh, Clipperland, Mr. Balmer. Unless there is a possibility, <laughs> there is a possibility maybe not everything was revealed. I'm wondering yeah. if there's something extra that wasn't revealed be because why else? Because why else would players be motivated to actually participate in this tournament? It's going to be a total flop. They have nothing else out. I mean, yeah, we'll see what they what they do. I think it's going to be a total 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 flop. Honestly, I look at it like this. You know, it it doesn't really sound like a tournament at all because these games are no. technically going to count towards the regular season record. So, basically, it's just a way of – it's basically a way of, uh, you know, making a more interesting regular season by, yeah. by putting up different matchups. That's all that is. Yeah, it's all smoke. I mean, it's not. There's nothing legit to that. It's it's not going to be a. There's no finality to it. There's no significance. It's like a mid-season tournament. I don't. Know. I I don't think it's going to catch on at all. Well, I mean, they do that with well, the college. Team. You know, they have the preseason NITs and that stuff too. So, and they do count their game, and they and they do count those games toward their standings as well, even though they only really care about conference play. Yeah. But they but they have done that. I mean, I you know, I just I kind of think that they should that they should really because let's face it, you know, players they don't even want uh, uh, there's a belief that not a lot of players even want to go to the All Star game. That, right. you know, they would rather they would rather have have the ability to have that extra rest than play in the All Star game because the All Star game is meaningless. And technically, right. it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here, you know, with the uh, with this new in season tournament. I mean, yes. who knows? Mate, I guess their plan, from what I read, their plan is to generate the same type of buzz that the NCAA does with March Madness. Okay, So if they're going to generate that type of buzz. If they're going to generate that type of buzz, I'm expecting that there will be rule changes specifically for this tournament. Yeah. I want to see rule changes for this tournament. Because yeah. as constructed, I'm not believing that. Yeah, there has to be some, something else going on. I mean, this is not a really marketable thing. Like, if you're going to do something, then if you're going to do something like this, then make some sort of rule changes that are specifically for the tournament. And then once the tournament's over, you go back to the regular rules. Yeah. Yeah. So Silver's, uh, Silver's really taking, taking a gamble here. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What's doing I mean, I understand. I understand they want to try and market themselves. They want to try and, you know, market the, uh, the NBA towards a younger audience. But I guess I don't. You know, I don't know. I this, this would never work. It's, it's in, 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 hockey would never do that. NHL, uh, NFL would never do that. It's a very weird. No, although although hockey, hockey though, hockey though is trying to do. They're trying to do uh, their own. 
version of the World Baseball Classic, though. So they are right. attempting that. That would be actually cool if they did that. So hockey is actually trying something like that. I mean, basketball already has that with FIBA and and whatnot. So well, they had the World Cup. I know before. hockey is trying. What was that, Luke? The um, in hockey they did it. They did have a few editions of of their version of the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't really it didn't really stick though. Yeah, I know. It hasn't hasn't grabbed the same attention as the FIBA basketball cup and the uh World Cup so uh you know and even the World Classics that matter, the World Baseball Classics that matter. So Because they've basically made it they've basically made it to where teams can teams can refuse to have their players play. It's like for example, the the turn the tournaments that we see in hockey now are basically just for under uh like under eighteen or under twenty type of tournament yeah. for primarily prospects like the world juniors essentially wow. yeah that's all we have for hockey right now, but my understanding is they're trying to create their own version of the world baseball classic. Uh, which will take place before the start of every hockey season, kind of right. like what what uh, World Baseball Classic does with, uh, you know, with um, or no, it wouldn't start before every hockey season, but there would be like an extended break, you know, how they do for the NHL All Star Game or what they would do for the Olympics, where they would have like a two to three week break or something. Oh yeah. That's basically what they're planning with hockey right now, what they're trying to uh, to plan out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, I talked about Detroit earlier. Detroit is about to shut out Seattle right now, six to nothing. So yeah. Seattle cannot don't go count out. Who runs last night? Don't count Detroit. out Detroit. Mariners can't score runs. No. Rodriguez has been disappointing still overall. I mean, he's in like 230, not acceptable. Two, maybe 240, 250. He should be 300. Right. Yeah, but don't, don't you know, don't count out, uh, don't count out Detroit. With them, uh, they could potentially sneak through. Oh, we do have uh, the Astros apparently did uh, – it looks like the Astros did sign their first-round pick. So uh, that just came over the uh, – that just came over the uh, wire. I believe that may have been one of the first first-round picks that have gotten signed so far. Oh. Uh, let's see. Well, the, the Mets are going to sell. They've already lost two or three. They're selling. Jesus, yeah, it's yeah. You know, it's it's like I to, it's like I told you it's in over. Sports Whispers. It's like I told you in or wait, what's it Sports? Yeah, it's like I it's like I said, uh, not in Sports Whispers actually. It was on your wall, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. I told you that as soon as they lost Degrom. 
they basically lost their entire identity. Their like soul. they lost their yep. leadership. So uh, yeah, there's they did. no turning the season around for the Mets. No. Mm. no. I think you tell. Get something back. You know, they got to build the arms. You can't, you can't sign two, uh, you know, 40-year-old pitchers, Scherzer and Berlander. You can't focus on the back of the baseball cards. You know, you got to grow your own talent. Right. I mean, signing two 40-plus guys, come on. It's not going to work. Yeah. And by the way, for the Yankees, uh, yeah, nice job hiring Aaron Boone's buddy as your hitting coach, Sean Casey. Casey. Yeah, yeah. For any Yankee fans, for any Yankee fans who want Aaron Boone to go away, he won't be going away anytime soon. Not with his buddy yeah. joining them now. <laughs> he he just got his buddy. Yeah. Uh, Boone's protected now. Right. Yeah. That, that <laughs> signing right there basically tells me that Aaron Boone isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So if anybody's looking for them to part ways with Aaron Boone, it ain't going to happen. No. Learn to love the man. Yeah. And by the way, this is, a, this is actually the first. This is actually the first coaching position for Sean Casey in the majors. Yeah. That, so that's a he has. Yeah, he hasn't even coached before in the majors. So, and also keep the heat up, Cashman. Cashman and Boone are all right. They did that to uh, quiet down some people. He's not going to change a damn thing. Hitting coach, come on. Yeah, no. Needless to say, you know it's it's going to take a lot more for. for the Yankees to turn things around. And in particular, I, I'll tell you right now, they could have done a lot better than Sean Casey as their hitting coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, all, it's almost like they want it's, – it's almost like they want to prove that Aaron Boone is going nowhere. So in doing so, they basically hired his best yeah. friend. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean, he's literally going nowhere, so that's kind of fitting. They're, they're languishing. They're going nowhere. That's a wild card game. They're not going to win a ring with Aaron Boone. No. It is what it is. No. Yeah. No. I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad for Yankee fans, but, I mean, you know, how could you squander such a huge opportunity that, that the Yankees no, had was, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And the simple answer: having Aaron Boone as your head, as your as your uh, coach. But anyways, yeah. uh, that's going to do it for Where's tonight's the show. Where's the logic in that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Thank you to Lou. Thank you to Alex, Diane, and Kyle for joining me tonight. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And as a reminder for Big Brother fans, stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash AE for updates on the first Big Brother podcast that will be coming up at some point uh, late July, maybe early August, depending on what the cast reveal situation is. Uh, But anyways, everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports whispers weekly.
Great job. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Everybody have a good one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.